Welcome back to episode eight of the Bush League Bullpen. Keep following us on Twitter. I'm never going to stop until we have 80 million followers. So keep following us from all your separate accounts. With me, as always, is Derek. Hi. I don't even think is. Oh, yeah, I guess there is 80 million people on Earth, but I don't think that many people have Twitters. <laughs> I was going to say there's a well. Ah, I, you I, thought you said 80, I thought you said 80 billion for a second. I was like, Eli. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people have, like, fake Twitter accounts, so, like, if That's enough true. people. Although that would mean, like, you would need over 10 fake Twitter accounts for every single person in the world. You know what? This isn't a math show. This is a baseball show. Although There's stats. Yeah, 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 but, like, we don't, like, come up with the stats. We just, you know, copy and paste them. That's true. <laughs> yeah, we're, <laughs> we're like leeches here of other people's hard work. We just talk about it and like don't give them any shout outs. <laughs> we give baseball reference shout outs all the time. True, because baseball reference is doing God's work. So thank you, baseball reference. Not sponsored because how do you get sponsored by something that needs sponsors? Anyway, <laughs> um, so we're going to start off with what we always do, which is, you know, trades and acquisitions. But thankfully, you guys won't have to listen to it for like an hour and a half because there's only five things to talk about wait no four yeah four things to talk about uh let's start with the most uninteresting one in my opinion <clears throat> which is the cubs and pirates doing a little swappy swap of uh Dwayne underwood jr uh release pitcher if you're a cub fan you know that he is very like i wouldn't say unreliable but like you have no idea what you're gonna get out of him when he goes three or four year a yeah yeah so there you go so um they swapped him with the Pirates. What did you say? He was a five-year single-A ball player, uh, Shendrick Apostle. Which yeah, he he got drafted. He got signed in 2017, and he got assigned to Low A in 2018, and he has no other transactions other than that until now. Well, well, that kind of sucks because he has a dope name, and I want to see him in baseball. Like Shendrick Apostle, like Shendrick, eh, but like Apostle, just like I don't know why it's just so much fun. He's the first baseman, so they're gonna replace. He's gonna replace Rizzo. <laughs> yeah, replace Rizzo. Yeah, sure. Uh, a single a guy's never played above single A balls is gonna automatically just climb the ranks. He's gonna do like what Juan Soto did back in what was it? Was that twenty eighteen? Yeah, that twenty nineteen. I think it was twenty eighteen. Yeah, I mean that was just ridiculous. Um, as much as I've referenced the this that YouTube series before, um, Foolish Baseball. You got a great one on Juan Soto, just like of how quickly he climbed the minor league ranks. It's like, oh my God, like he legit could be the next Ted Williams. But we're not talking about Ted Williams. We're talking about Shendrick Apostle. But I mean, like, who knows? Maybe one in the same. <laughs> uh, but really just to round out this trade, um, Pirates had to DFA Carson Fulmer to make some room for Underwood because apparently they have more faith in him. And if I remember correctly, Carson Fulmer got absolutely shelled against the Yankees a couple days ago. I could be wrong. Yeah, but then like, uh, he so earlier in spring training, I think he got like knocked around, but then he pitched like two scoreless innings the next time out. So, yeah. So basically, unreliable. I mean, like, I don't know how much more you're gonna get from Underwood. Could you hear all that rattling? <laughs> that was my water bottle. Uh, anyway, what else we got? I'm looking straight at it. And my brain's not processing. The next interesting one, uh, I'm actually going to skip and come back. Um, Gio Gonzalez to Miami for one year, $5 million. I'm only going to skip because I think the other guy's more interesting. So <clears throat> Gio Gonzalez uh, spent the last couple of years of his career in Chicago pitching for the South Side. Um, he was a starting pitcher 
for like the first half of his career, but has not been able to keep up with that longevity. I'm pretty sure injuries have happened to him, right? Or am I going? Yeah, I think he's been injured. I might be confusing him with his former Washington Nationals teammate Jordan Zimmerman, who I don't think has pitched a full game since I was born. But he's a pretty solid lefty. He's made a really, uh, he made a decent transition to um, a bullpen role as like a long reliever. Um, he's kind of been the guy who, if you know, you have Keuchel, like, or I'm referencing White Sox, like his time with the White Sox, but like, yeah, if you have Keuchel going out there and they are just dominating lefties, and you need like a guy to eat up maybe two or three innings because Keuchel, you know, his pitch count or whatever, Joe Gonzalez, throw him out there. He gets he gets you over to Bummer and. Um, uh, who did they have last year? Column A, and then there you go, game over. So, pretty solid. Miami, I, I mean, I, it's hard to say how he's going to fit in simply because of just how young and weird that team is. But, like, you know, they, they can always use the help from whatever position that they can get, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm pretty sure it was a minor league deal, too, so there's no guarantee he still, still ends up with Miami. But a good move. A guy who can either start or go into the bullpen. I think the reason why he thought he might have been hurt is because they remember that one game where like the Brewers like started him through one pitch and then they pulled him because of injury. Oh yeah. I remember so the that. Dodgers started a predominantly like all like started a lineup that was like all righties and then like they brought in then all right-handed right away and then they were like, oh, just kidding. Yeah, I I don't even know if I would call that sleazy or if I would call that genius. I'm leaning on genius just because it um, benefits anybody but the Dodgers. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. Gio Gonzalez. I mean, I was I'm, I'm always thought he was solid. He's like not like anything like absolutely spectacular, but it'll be fun to see if uh, he makes the roster. I think he will simply because of just the status of him being a veteran in itself. Plus he's. Like I said, he used to pitch for the Nationals. That's where he got big. So he's he knows that division. I mean, sure, it's changed a little bit here and there, but I'm sure, like, there'll be some sort of, like, comfortability, like a homecoming kind of feel, you know, coming back pitching in the NL East. But then again, I could also just be completely fucking wrong. <laughs> um, but moving on, somebody who is also leaving, who, who was leaving the East and going to the just recently mentioned Milwaukee Brewers, Jackie Bradley Jr., signing a two-year, $24 million deal to play in American Family Insurance Park. It doesn't um, sound right. It just no. doesn't sound right. They are the brewers, not the insurers. It's Miller Park, bro. Like, like I understand that, like, it's not their, like, the team's fault. It's more like sponsorships and, like, the deal or whatever that they had with the Miller Brewing Company, like, coming to an end but like bro come on they're called the brewers for a reason renew that contract let's go oh it's on it's it's just like it's unsettling to like hear american family insurance park but that's not the point the point is jackie bradley jr is going to milwaukee um put a great defensive outfielder out there with an already gold glover in lorenzo kane a guy who could have won a gold glove in his younger days um christian yelich but he is now basically like the anti Jackie Bradley Jr. Where like he's okay in the field, but just an absolute monster at the plate. Whereas Jackie Bradley Jr. is one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball, but he's kind of <laughs> hit the plate. Um, 
They also have Av- uh, Avicel Garcia. Yeah. To round out their yeah, it was uh, like <clears throat> after like his first one or two years in Chicago has actually become like a really great player. Um, my I think one of the most underrated in baseball because you know he went from Chicago where he was barely anybody to Tampa Bay where nobody knows who you are <laughs> unless you live in the city. Um, so yeah, I I think that's like defensively like it it already bolsters a really good defensive team. I mean, especially when you got um, future Platinum Glove candidate Colton Wong out at second base. Don't give me that face, Derek. Colton <laughs> Wong is a fantastic defensive second baseman. The only reason why he hasn't been like an absolute like Platinum Glove candidate is because of freaking Nolan Arenado just being the best. And so you think this is the year he's going to beat out Nolan Arenado for that platform? No, I'm just saying that he is that he is like a guy that you probably wouldn't think of because your mind is clouded with Nolan Arenado just being the best. But Colin Wong's just sneaky good, dude. He's so good. Like, I'm, like you, you tell me that he, like, you watched him. You've seen him play. You've seen the kind of moves that he makes. Like, you, you're really going to tell me that he is not a fantastic defensive second baseman? He is, but when I think of Colton Wong, I think of annoyingly clutch hits that always seem to come at the most annoying opportunities. Yeah, you see, so your personal prejudices are getting in the way of facts. So suck it. <laughs> uh, moving on. Yeah, moving on. Uh, well, rounded out. Good acquisition. Like I said, already good defensive team. Getting another great defensive player. Um, the question for me still remains, is their offense going to be either consistent or productive? They're going to get Lorenzo Cain back. He it was just said today that um, his quad injury is not going to prevent him from starting on opening day. So they should have a fully health, well, almost fully healthy Lorenzo Cain to start the season. So, which is something that they didn't have last year and they still made the playoffs. So who knows? But then again, they also don't have Mr. Clutch Cheater, Ryan Braun. So who knows? Maybe Jackie Bradley Jr. will be like a better Ryan Braun. I mean, Ryan Braun didn't really do much last year. He had like a stretch of like 10 games where he was like outstanding. But for the most part, Braun was bad. Yeah, no, I hate Ryan Braun. And I'm glad that he did bad. But like, you know, in the history of Milwaukee, he's been like the guy. upsettingly good. <laughs> then again, steroids, they do that sometimes. Um, but rounding out this segment of who is now going where, we have Jaco DeRizzi, who was signed by Houston for two years for an unknown amount of money. Um, we Googled for a good, like, 10, 15 minutes trying to find out what the hell he was signed for, and we've settled on it is between 15 and $18 million a year. There is a range. <laughs> yes. We, we think around 17.8. That's the number that keeps popping up, but it kept saying for only one year. It never said what the full contract was worth. So, Jake Odorizzi is making redacted amount of money for two years. <laughs> um, that, that's Houston's new way of cheating. They're just going to, like, not tell people how much they're actually paying the players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're actually – it's because they're not actually getting paid in actual money. They're getting paid in cheating services. <laughs> Like Jake Odorizzi is gonna he's gonna get like ten million dollars worth of actual money and then five and a half million dollars worth of steroids. I saw a joke. I don't so I don't know if it was a joke article or a real thing, but there was like a thing like, oh, MLB might start like censoring the signs of like the catcher's signs on national broadcasts to prevent teams from like I saw that too. And I was like, I was like, oh, that's interesting. 
I saw that too, and I'm like, I would hope that it was a joke, because like that doesn't make any sense because they're on a delay anyway. So yeah, anyway. but I don't know. I guess the whole team holder, like the team, so like gets the non-delayed broadcast. Like if you're a home team and you're like patched in to the broadcast, I don't know. No, I don't think it matters. <laughs> um, but that's the technical thing of baseball is not why we're here. We're here to talk about whether or not Jake Rodriguez is one getting overpaid, two paid at all, or three is if it's actually gonna help Houston in any way. Um, I think it will. Odorizzi's a good pitcher. No, no, he's he's a solid pitcher. Um, he put it's- up like a, a sub four ERA in um the AL Central last year with the Twins, which pretty yeah. hard to do when you have to face most of those lineups. I mean, especially, um, like going up against the red hot reds in the first half of the season when their offense was doing fantastic until they tanked, uh, the Cubs offense from time to time, you know, would show the flashes of being decent. Uh, the white Sox were of course the biggest one that they had to face. Um, yeah. Indians weren't bad. Yeah. Indians weren't bad either. Um, Royals are just pests. Yeah. They can hit. <laughs> Royal. That's the Royals thing. They always get guys who can hit and then, yeah, you know, yeah. But and like, then Solaire is like, yeah, the guy that hits for power. They have like a he, plenty of, have plenty of guys to play station to station baseball, but nobody to drop them all in in the end. But that's kind of like the team was in like 2015. If you think about it, they had like a bunch of guys that just went station to station, and then one guy who like slant, like he just could hit the ball hard and far, and yeah. could only hit like 150, but he hit the ball hard. <laughs> yeah, like that. That whole. I mean, I'm just going in my head thinking about that lineup. Like, I'll see this Escobar, not a power hitter. Omar Infante, not a power hitter. Mike Mustakas was not really an established power hitter then. Eric Hosmer was also more of a contact for his baseman. Like Lorenzo Kane, contact. Like it's just. Out of yeah, the, it was Billy <laughs> Butler. And, no. Billy Butler in 2014 was the power guy, and then uh, ah, who they they try they got rid of Billy Butler and got the guy Kendrick Morales. Kendrick yeah, Morales Kendrick's, was the power hitter oh in 2015. God. What a guy, dude. Kendrick Morales is like, whenever I played with like his flashback cards in MLB The Show, I'm like, damn, this guy's so good. I'm going to watch him in real life. And then I was utterly disappointed. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I probably like wasn't aware of him at his like peak days in the other two. In the early he, after he got hurt with the Angels, it was kind of hard for him to like re- recover from that really bad ankle injury. Yeah, that's true. But like, it's always like, yeah, a switch hitting power hitter is so rare. Mm-hmm. So it's just fun to watch when you finally get one. Well, anyway, there is one in Major League Baseball right now. Switching power hitter? Yeah. Hold Plays on. For the Nationals. Why am I blanking? Oh, shh. Okay, but like, Kendrys Morales is like up here. Okay, but like still. Josh Bell hurt. is like down here. Josh Bell from the left side is maybe a little bit up. <laughs> and you, um, you just want to talk about switch hitting power hitters. Josh Bell is a switch hitting power hitter. Technically, but like he's not a good switching power. Okay, hitter. fine. Um, what's the uh, one who plays for Cle- Jose Ramirez? Jose Carlos Ramirez. Santana. I, w- I don't know if I'd call Jose Ramirez like a bona fide power hitter. Like he's got power as a hitter. It's pretty much left side it hits the power, right side is the contact. <laughs> yeah, but both sides equal MVP candidate. So yeah. Um. Anyway, back to Odorizzi. So he's going to a, a bullpen, or not a bullpen, a rotation where you already have Zach Granke, Framber Valdez, um, Christian Javier, I believe, is set to make some starts. Uh, Lance McCullers Jr. So he's a pretty decent veteran in a rotation of, what, like three veterans and a couple of rookies? Did you forget one of the veterans? Did I? 
Oh, Verlander. You started with Grinky. I was like, oh, is he just going to do that thing? We're like, oh, and yeah, Verlander. Like, well, no. it's because mm-hmm. Verlander was hurt all last year, so I just kind of forgot about him, you know? That's true. Yeah, but. <clears throat> forgot about the future Hall of Famer, multiple Cy Young Award winner. Easy to forget. <laughs> you know, Derek, it's when you be a bitch like this that really makes me wonder why I do this with you. <laughs> um but yeah no i legit just kind of forgot about him because like i said he was injured all of last year i didn't see him pitch for like once so i mean what do you want from me now i lost my train of thought thank you <laughs> all right well let's move on to talking about the first week of spring training so you guys may have noticed we did not have an episode last week because nothing happened yeah well, there was only one spring training game there was no real big news so we decided to take a week and then we would report on the first full week of spring training kind of get a good idea like who's looking, you know, mid-season form, who's looking like they might be able to, you know, do good this season, do mm. good. But if you follow us on Twitter, you will notice that we were a little bit more active than usual, giving you some highlights or rundowns or whatever. Um, most of them posted by me were when I was at the gym and in between reps, I was like, I should check the Twitter. <laughs> One of them posted to me by me about how I was upset that Shane Baz was given away as a player to me later. Still annoys the crap out of me. Why do you give a top prospect away as a player to be named later? You don't. You're not supposed to. Stupid. In other words, follow us on Twitter so you can hear Derek cry. Um, <laughs> who? Anyway, Derek, okay. So let's talk about spring training. All right. So Derek, who, who do you who do you like? What you got? What do you what what's looking good to you out here? So Joey Gallo is actually looking pretty good. The power's there, uh, and in Joe in true Joey Gallo form, he has five hits and four of them are home runs, and one of them's a single. So yep. he's in midseason form. Yeah, He's the only like 412 at bats. The only player, may we let's remind you all, the only player in MLB history to hit 100 career home runs before 100 career base hits. Yep. Yeah. So Joey Gallo's looking good. <laughs> Tatis <laughs> Jr. is in mid-season form as he hit a grand slam in spring. His first home run of spring, I believe, the was Padres' it? first home run in total in spring, if I remember correctly. But I could be wrong. I thought I heard an announcer say that, but I could also be wrong. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, Bobby Dalback's looking good. Potential Rookie of the Year candidate with Boston is hitting 400 with three home runs and 10 at-bats. Yep. Uh, so oh, let's let's talk about a guy that you don't have in there, which is my pick for AL Rookie of the Year and Wander Franco, who hit a ball that is currently, I believe, orbiting Earth. And um, props to the Ray social media account for playing that swing on loop with the Thwan Division theme song playing. Oh, I love that video. That was, it's so that was good. great. Wander Vision. Oh my god. Yeah, no. He's he's looking like an absolute stud right now. It's not just homers. He's just he's gonna be so base. good. The rook the, no matter what, the rookie of the year is going to be in the east, in my opinion. It's gonna be Dahlback or it's gonna be Wander Franco. I'd be yeah. surprised if some kid can like maybe if Julio Rodriguez is yeah farther along than we expect, maybe he can sneak like back to back rookie of the years in uh Seattle. Or maybe but, if they uh, actually pull the trigger on Jared Kelnick or whatever, however you pronounce his name. Like, I know there was all that controversy about um, the former GM, I believe it was, with the Mariners um, being, well, let's just not sugarcoat it. He was being a racist asshole and was also, like, underappreciating the players in his system and making sure that he was, like, basically tethering them to the club when they should not have been. Uh, it's it's a really messed up situation. Um so we're all, okay. we're all glad he's gone in the baseball world, but also um, like like so like now we actually have a shot at seeing all of these like this is what we wanted in Seattle like 
you and I have like we agreed that we can't wait for the glory days of Seattle to come back when you have just like these randomly great prospects just come out of nowhere and all of a sudden they're a team to beat in the AL. Like this is their chance now without their asshole GM. Like they can actually get these rookies to come up and like live to their potential. Yeah, I expect a big year from Evan White. Uh, second year in the season, like you know, he there's a lot of lot of hype around him, and I definitely expect it to be shows up this year. Yeah, and he's already got a gold glove, so like the only the only way to go from here is up offensively for him because like you can't really yeah, peak, you can't really get much better on defense. The offense is going to go way up. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. All right, so what pitchers look good, Eli? Tell us about what pitchers look good. Well, as much as we may not like him for his social media presence or general ego, Trevor Bauer is looking absolutely disgusting, mostly because Dodger blue is a gross color and his pitches are filthy. And it's upsetting because this is where he could have gone to he could have gone to the Mets, guys. He could have gone to the Mets and we could have, you know, like not had the Dodgers in the playoffs or not 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 in the playoffs, but like not in the World Series maybe. Um, but through five innings, he's got a strikeout an inning and has yet to give up a run, which with how spring training goes with these guys pitching like two innings max, I don't think he will give up a run. So there you go. Here's your Cy Young of, of spring training. <laughs> yeah. Um, but along with him, the, another big, uh, acquisition in the, in the NL West, uh, you Darvish, he's only got two innings under his belt, which he pitched, I believe yesterday. Um, if not, it was the day before, but in it was those about two, a day or two ago against Kansas City, yeah. But in that, in that uh outing, he went two innings and struck out four guys, so that's a higher strikeout per inning than Trevor Bauer. So he can suck it. Uh, also giving up no earned runs. And I know it's like within it's only just two innings, but you know, just anything to anything to shit on the Dodgers. <laughs> But he's looking, he's looking mighty fine. I believe I saw one of his one of his strikeouts was on his recently developed pitch, the Supreme. Still not as good as what uh, Tyler Glasnow is calling his new cutter slider. Uh, oh, what's he, what's he calling that? He's calling it the Slutter. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of said it by mistake. He was like, "Ah, it's like a cutter slider, like Slutter," and everyone was like, "What was that?" So everyone's <laughs> like. Want- Lean into it, lean into it, please. Because if what? I can, if I can on road to the show create a player who throws a slaughter, I am going to be so happy. <laughs> and like it was really funny because like one of the Rays, like uh, people that like follows the Rays, like for, like reports on the Rays is like the sex god has named his new pitch the slaughter. <laughs> <laughs> the sex god. Okay, you know that is fair though because if there's like if there's a person who I'm not sure isn't Killian Murphy, it's him because he looks so much like him that it's like, I'm not convinced yet. Um, that's just, all right. Before Did you I, where you were, where in our notes? No, I know exactly where we are. I'm okay, just yeah. thinking about Killian Murphy and Tyler Glass now, just like, uh, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> so Lucas Giolito looking like a uh, mid-season form already. He's got five innings pitched with six strikeouts. The only guy on this list of pitchers who are notable, um, who has given up a run, it seems. But <clears throat> who cares? Because it's Lucas Giolito, and he has a top-tier offense behind him, so he can give up one, two runs a game. So long as his offense performs even half as good as they're expected to, he'll get a win. Um, so along with those six strikeouts, he's got a one. He's got a one eighty ERA. Um, I don't, I don't know. There's not really too much to say other than he's just looking fine. Like all these, all these pitchers, they seem to be living up to what their contracts are and 
how everybody expects them to be playing. So, I mean, it's just nice to see it's, – it's nice to see guys, like, get paid and live up to their contracts rather than, you know, be like Chris Davis and get paid lucrative amounts of money to be absolute trash. <laughs> so, the next guy, we have uh, Charlie Morton, three innings, three strikeouts. I mean, pretty usual Charlie Morton stuff. He's not going to absolutely – demolish you with blazing speed but he's got some absolute filth that's like, of course i saw a thing like runs oh good uh um uh, charlie morton like top 96 that was an article like an article talking about how like his first outing he did hit 96 like there's still some gas in the tank for charlie morton oh i'm not saying that there's not it's just that I mean, when I th- like the game has changed so much in a way that when I hear flamethrowers now, I think of guys who throw 99 on average. I think of yeah. like Sixto Sanchez, Garrett Crochet, uh, Rosal Iglesias, Aroldis Chapman, you know, all those guys who just absolutely freaking they just throw gas. Like, that's all they yeah. do is throw gas. So, like, when I like, I know 96 is fast as hell and I can't hit it, but <laughs> like, it's it, it just seems. It just seems like the mid '90s is not fast anymore. It's just weird. Yeah, the, there's like two level of power hitter. There's like a power pitchers. Is like, oh, okay, I can hit 95 plus, and then the other guy's like weak. <laughs> yeah, like like Dansby Swanson. He'll hit. He's I think one of the best um, high velocity fastball hitters in the game. But like, if you if you bring him a fastball under like 95, for some reason Dansby struggles. <laughs> Actually, I think the best is Buster Posey. Oh, is he? Because I think, like, Buster Posey on, like, pitches over 100 miles per hour or over 99 miles per hour is, like, hitting 350 with, like, a, at least eight home runs. Not bad, not bad. I'll have to relook up that. Because I, I remember they were talking about that when he's, like, facing Chapman. They're like, this is probably the one guy who can, like, actually handle Chapman because it's, like, the way his swing is designed, it's, like, perfect for high-velocity pitchers. Yeah, um... Yeah, we'll have to look into that because I'm, I'm curious about that now, uh, who's, like, the best high-velocity hitter in baseball. Um, but to round out this list, uh, we got Sandy Alcantara for uh, Miami. If you guys don't know who he is, he's this really tall, linky dude who throws absolute heat and has filth attached to his hand. Um, four and a third, six strikeouts. So probably the most dominating strikeout pitcher on this list so far. Also, no runs given up. So Miami, once again, looking like a team that you need to be fearful of and I mean, not only do they have Sandy Alcantara out here just slinging it. Remember, they have a guy with the name of Sixto Sanchez, who, if you don't know, for some odd reason, uh, he was a he was like one of those guys who was like on the verge of being rookie of the year, can, like contending. But I think he kept his status for this year. Uh, I'll look it up. I think he might have lost it. I'm I'm like ninety percent sure he's still he still got it. Whatever. Um, I think Tristan McKenzie still has his. The real, the real thing though, the real thing to note is that, um, um, I, I some kind of decent dude in baseball history named Pedro Martinez once called him a mini me with a better changeup. And if you watch Pedro Martinez's changeup, how is that? How can it get better? I don't know, but I'm excited. <laughs> so. Once again, we're going to talk about the Marlins as being a young team who have all these pieces that if they like fit together in this beautiful, glorious puzzle, will be a fantastic team to watch this this summer. And I cannot Yeah, wait. so Sixto Sanchez's Rookie of the Year status is still intact. So that is another Rookie of the Year candidate to go win in the National League. And then Tristan McKenzie's also Rookie of the Year status is still intact, uh, the Cleveland pitcher. 
So add that to Bobby Dalvac and Wander Franco as potential rookie of the year candidates in the Is American it just me or do, do Sandy Alcantara and like Tristan McKenzie have like the same exact body type? Like they're both like these really tall, skinny dudes who really don't look like much. And then all of a sudden they're <laughs> pounding 99 up and in at your chin and throwing just absolute mind melting benders low and away. And you just like are confused. Yeah. They're just like, they're like, they look like they're high schoolers that are like oh yeah like this kid's like from high school and they're like throwing gas and just the nastiest pitches you've ever seen in your life and you're like Whoop. yeah like i always think to myself like man i could have been actually like decent if i like had actually like played through high school and like gone to college and played and then i look at tristan mckenzie and sandy Alcantara, and i'm just like god damn it no i could not have <laughs> uh anyway uh <laughs> Derek, got anything else to say about the pitchers no, I mean, like, we've seen a couple good ones. There's a couple pitchers we didn't mention who, like, looked good so far. Like, I know um, Eli doesn't want to hear this, but, like, Chad Cools looked good in his first couple of starts as the Pirates. Didn't yeah. somebody take him deep? Like, one of the, like, monstrously deep? Yeah, he gave up a home run to somebody in his last start uh, against the Yankees, I think. Someone on the Yankees took him deep. Oh, the Yankees, Scott. Oh, I just want to mention, um, I don't mean to give him a shout-out because of just how much I am not really a fan of him, but Brett Gardner had a grand slam against the Phillies the other day, and it made me realize, like, how just, like, this, it's so stupid how small Yankee Stadium is, because, like, the dimensions of their spring training field are pretty much the exact same. It's the exact same. It's like it's what like three thirteen down the left field or down the right field line. Like, of yeah. course he's gonna hit a grand slam. All he has to do is like flick it. Like his fingers, the ball yeah. will go out. Everyone, everyone talks about Colorado effect. I knew no one no one talks about the Yankees, the Yankee Stadium effect. That stadium I, is tiny. Yeah, no, like at least Colorado has actually made adjustments over the years to like limit home runs. I mean, you know, they put the massive like fence out in uh, right field in front of their bullpen to you know increase the height of the wall. Um, I mean, they, they already know about like, you know, the whole thin air effect or whatever. So they have the second biggest, um, uh, outfield in baseball, but then Yankee stadium, it's th like three sixteen down the left field line and three thirteen down the right field line and four oh eight fences are like only three feet tall. So it's like, yeah, no, Aaron judge can like literally stand and his like torso will be above the wall. I mean, I know he's a big dude, but still it's a tiny ass wall. Yeah. Yankee stadium, tiny. Yeah, no, it's, I think one of the big things, like, if everybody's, like, so, like, oh, like, baseball's becoming a, like, a, one of the three true outcome baseball sports, like, sports, blah, blah, blah. that's the way this game is heading, is, like, the three true outcome result of a home run, a walk, or a strikeout. So, <clears throat> if everybody's getting so upset about that, because people are swinging for the fences, and, of course, that means, then, that they strike out more if they don't make contact, then why not? push the fences back i mean like we yeah. have so much technology we have like so much technology working on making these guys like getting their swing path incorrect launch angle exit velocity up all that stuff and let's be honest they are using some borderline illegal substances to keep them playing and boost their you know boost their physique like these guys are becoming bigger and stronger and better than ever before and we're still playing on ballparks and we're still playing in ballparks that were designed like in Fenway's case, like 1913. So like, why don't we just try to like, you know, adjust the game for a modern era? Well, see, a lot of them, they've actually brought the, like Marlin, Marlins Park actually brought the fence in because Marlins Park needed to hit a lot of home runs in Marlins Park. Okay, but that was also one of the weirdest design stadiums ever. <laughs> That's true. 
I know the new Rangers one's actually pretty big. It's actually yeah, it one of the larger stadiums now. And I actually like that because I, I was when when you're watching the playoff games, I was I noticed that it seemed like there were less home runs hit unless it was like an absolute mistake, like a hanging slider or a changeup yeah. that didn't break. You know, so like I I appreciate when you know you see these guys who are trying to hit home runs on pitches that like normally might go out but aren't home run pitches and you you see them fail like it's because once they start doing that you get more of the mentality of okay i'm not going to be able to hit a home run in this park unless it's just an absolute bat pitch that like should be demolished so let's just try to get on base everybody follows that mentality you get a hit parade pitcher comes out after throwing 10 pitches because he gave up 10 singles on 10 pitches like that's just more fun to watch yeah i mean like the best way to change that mentality you just gotta like get your minor league coaches and development people just like start like hammering in that idea of like hits 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 just get hits get hits get hits because i mean like the best offense in modern in like the modern era i think was the 2014 and 2015 royals they had so many multiple run comebacks like five plus run comebacks late in the game when the when they against elite bullpens that are supposed to be that much better and the Royals are scoring five, six runs against guys that are supposed to be shut down players. And then like postseason two, like how I'm like looking about like, they won eight straight games in 2014 in the playoffs against mm-hmm. a bunch of teams. So and the reason they didn't win the World Series that year is because they ran into Madison Bumgarner. Who was just like, I don't know, the second coming of Randy Johnson. Sandy, yeah, Randy Johnson. Yeah, Randy Johnson. Yeah, I would say Randy Johnson more than Sandy Koufax, but just that—that's just how. And it's just so annoying because, like, it's an obvious fix, but because of just how powerful these guys are, like, they like it, it. Honestly, just comes down to just like your eyes. You look at somebody like Aaron Judge or Juan Soto, or if you're gonna talk about prospects, Jason Dominguez. You take a look at these guys, and you're like. They are like these are bodybuilders. These are like specimens of like powerful physique. Like, of course, we want them to start hitting homers immediately to put on a show, you know. So then, once that becomes the norm, like, oh, this is these are the stars of the games. The guys who are the stars, the guys who get the name recognition, the guys who get their jerseys sold, are big dudes who hit long balls. So what am I going to do as somebody in high school, somebody who wants to make the big leagues? I'm going to become a big dude who hits long balls. Like, it's just, I mean, it's like, like enabling all, all of this. What's even weirder part, too, is if a guy like Luke Voigt stopped trying to hit 40 home runs and just accepted that his natural power is going to let him hit 20, he'd have his batting average probably go up 40 ticks. He'd go yeah. from a, a 230, 240 hitter to a 280 hitter with, you know, 20 home runs and probably just still as many RBIs because. If you start trying to hit the ball out, you're going to start hitting the ball in, and that's going to be doubles. Doubles are much more beneficial to an offense than a home run. Yeah, let's and let's remind people, even though there are plenty of uh, people who did it by cheating, the number of 60 home run or more seasons is actually greater than the number of 60 double seasons. And I don't even think a 60 double season has happened since the 30s, I believe. The, there was a guy, I think, to in 2019 that was on track to it was, match it it was nick castellanos he yes. was he was i believe one he was either one or two doubles away by the last two weeks of the season and got hurt there was a red sox player too that was hitting doubles like crazy that was like a below castellanos but was also like it was devers was it devers i couldn't it remember was. it was devers I, or chavis and then i believe in either 16 or 15 
I think it was 16. Uh, Jose Ramirez hit, I think, like 56 doubles. Yeah. So, like, it's it's crazy because, like, you look at these guys and, like, these are these are clearly top-tier hitters who can be power hitters, but their approach is just so much different because, yes, they can flick the ball out when they need to, but these are guys who want to create situations where they put pressure on the opposite team. They want to, like, put guys on base because, like, when you get somebody in the stretch thinking about a runner on base, they're more likely to make error. They're more likely to make mental mistakes, leave balls yeah. hanging, and then there you go. Then there's your long ball chance when you have runners on base. Solo home yeah. runs aren't as fun. So just the fact that you have these guys – like going up there and like actually thinking about let's get on base and let's produce for other people behind us. Like it's just more fun to watch. I mean, like we're never going to see another guy hit 3000 hits. If like they're worried about getting 600 homers. I mean, like you can do both Hank Aaron, Albert Pujols cheating, Alex Rodriguez. Like you can, like they can do like, you can do both. But the problem is everybody's just so fixated on the power part, they're trying to hit 450 foot home runs when they don't need to. Like you can hit 600 home runs that barely go over 410 feet. <laughs> like it yeah. can't happen. Especially if you play Yankee Stadium, you only got to hit like one that goes 315. You're good. Yeah, exactly. So like you, you just keep hitting those down the line and you hit doubles in the gaps. There you go. You're a 3000, you know, 3000 hit 600 home run legend. Like there you go. All right. Eli, do you have any gut reactions you would like to share with us? Um, yes. Uh, the angels infield is absolutely elite and you can suck it. Uh, it's just true. Um, they have David Fletcher, who is Andrelton Simmons clone, uh, playing second base. They have Jose Iglesias, who just keeps getting better defensively with age and his offense seems to have actually picked up in the last couple seasons, including, I believe two home runs this spring and a total of six RBIs, I believe for him. If I, I'm remembering correctly i don't know like the only the only games that i get on uh mlb network because of these stupid like mlb tv because of these stupid blackout restrictions are angels games so i'm just watching jose iglesias go out there and pound the ball and make great defensive plays um and i mean we don't really need to go over anthony rendon other than he was robbed of the 2019 um mvp award so you know he's a great third baseman and they have one of the best young guys in baseball at first base and jared walsh um I will forever just be on his side until he stops being good. <laughs> All right. Here's my gut reaction. The Padres are going to be good. I mean, like, I'm sorry to tell you, but like everything, everything we've seen from the Padres so far this spring, they're good. Cronenworth yeah, like, is look amazing defensively. Hosmers have opposite field powers showing up again. Like he used to have like the last couple of before, like his last couple of years at Kansas city, how he used to go like flick opposite field doubles and stuff. Yeah, I mean, they're like living up to like you know you look at you look at paper and like you see their roster and you're like oh damn, Padres yeah. are stacked, and then you're watching them in the game and you're just like, oh my god, they are stacked. <laughs> yeah, so it's just and you know, it could be so like so be like oh a good team on paper should be gone like should be in real life, but it doesn't always happen. So it's so good to finally see a team that's good on paper, good in real life. Yeah, I mean, my biggest example would be the Chicago Cubs. Like, because that team has so much name recognition. They're like, oh, Javier Baez is El Mago. He's like the face of baseball in Chicago. And then you have Chris Bryant. He's like, he's KB. He's so good. But like, he's actually like, he hit under 200 last year. He was so trash. Like, Like, the Cubs have so many of these guys who like, on paper, they should be a great team, but have just failed so yeah. much. <laughs> But like the Padres, hopefully, I mean, 
it's way too early. We've only finished like a week and a half of spring training, but man, it's been a fun week and a half, and the Padres are looking mighty tasty. All right, so let's do some bold predictions. You want me to go first? You want to go first? I want to go. I want you to go first so I can yell at you. So my bold prediction, and Eli, I told them this a while ago, so I'm putting it in the show. Todd Frazier will make the roster of the Pittsburgh Pirates, and he will revive his career as a first baseman. Like, the first half of your statement, he will make the roster, does not surprise me. Like, that just makes sense because of, like, I mean, he made the roster with Texas. He made the roster with the Mets. He made the roster a couple years, like, those years ago with the Yankees. Like, these are teams that probably had better options to put at third base, and yet he was still there. So, having him make the roster, like, kind of just makes sense. Like, he'll be the backup to Colin Moran at first base, probably, because, like, what are you going to do? Not play Cabrian Hayes? That's stupid. Cabrian Hayes revive, is going to play. <laughs> but like revise his, like revive his career. Like I just, I don't see it at all. Like the only, cause like he the only ha- look, way that I would he, see he, him like really come back and like do that is if they like mostly use him instead of Moran against lefty pitchers, which I just like, I mean, it's, it's something like a 75-25 split in baseball, so you're not going to see Todd Frazier go up against lefties too often. And even if you do, like, you're really going to sacrifice Colin Moran for Todd Frazier too often. So, I mean, like, yeah, you're right. He's not going to get a lot of playing time. He may not get a lot of playing time at first base, but I think he's better defensively than Moran. So I think that's going to get him some playing time against right-handers. And, I mean, Brian Hayes is going to need some off days, so he'll get time at at first ba- at third base, you know, when, when Hayes is sleepy. And when the Pirates go on the road, uh, like, I'm sure Frazier will be the DH or Moran will be the DH. So, like, Frazier will get playing time if he makes the roster. But I think his ability, I think his transition to first base with the Pirates, because it's going to be first bases, he's going to be a first baseman. That's going to give him more opportunities, because I think every team is looking for that, you know, a better defensive first baseman in a lot of places. Yeah, but, like, the only thing that I have to say about that is like Frazier hasn't played like yes he's a veteran but he actually hasn't played too much first base in his career he's mostly been a third baseman like he's had a couple stints here and there where, but like he's never had like a full like few weeks or even months where he's just been the first baseman so like but he was a really good third baseman so he'll like I've they've, I've seen clips of him like fielding like he made a really great. 363 double play in one of the spring training games, which is one of the hardest double plays in baseball. You don't see it as much anymore because yeah. it's just awkward. So, I mean, like, yeah, there's a good chance I'm wrong, but that's why it's called a bold prediction. <laughs> but I mean, like, yeah. I'm, but like, he would, he have said ever since he left the Reds, he hasn't been Todd Father. He hasn't been, he no. wasn't good with the Rangers. He wasn't good with the Mets. Either time he was with the wasn't Mets. Good with the, he wasn't good with the White Sox. He wasn't good with the Yankees. No, I mean, like, so I, I hope to see him. I think he's going to re- be able to at least revive some of the Todd father. I, you see, it, it, to me, it really just like the question really in this statement revolves around the word revive because it, I'm like, it depends on how much you're talking about what he's going to do for his career. If you're going to say a bold prediction, then you're going to say that he's going to be back to like, not back to what he was in like 2015, but he's going to be like, you know, hitting 20 homers and hitting around like 260. Like that to me is like a bold prediction for Todd. Right here, 270 with 18 homers. That is a bold prediction. <laughs> maybe exactly. the hom- maybe the homers, but there is no chance on God's 
not necessarily green because it's the middle of March in the Midwest Earth that he's going to hit 275. I said 270, sir. Do not. <laughs> oh, whatever, dude. 275 just sounds cooler. <laughs> I, know, I don't know like... why. Um, all right, my bold prediction. And this is going to sound like, it, I don't think it's going to sound bold from the start. But as we as as we talk about it more, I think you'll come to come around to why I think it's bold. The Houston Astros will not make the playoffs this year. All right, are you waiting for me to respond? I was more just waiting, like I wanted to see your reaction. <laughs> but um, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but like, okay, so. A lot of people will just like some like there's there's two ways that you can look at this. There's either going to be the people who are going to be like, oh, they're not that far removed from like the last couple of years where they've made the playoffs or even won the division. Like, how are they going to be that much worse? Or there's the school of thought of fuck the Astros because of 2017 and everything beyond that. They don't deserve to make the playoffs. So like, I think those are like the, almost the only two schools of thought. But let's just break this down. They have great pitching. They have an unreliable bullpen. And they have a kind of tattered offense right now. So, like, I, we did, we don't really need to cover their their starting rotation because, I mean, we kind of already did. Let's just quick rundown. Granky, Odorizzi, Lance McCullers Jr., Framber Valdez, who's going to win a Cy Young at some point in his career, and Justin Verlander. So there you go. And then they'll throw Christian Javier in there somewhere. But as of right now, he'll probably mostly be a long reliever. So their bullpen they have a lot of rookies who they just kind of threw out there last year and it kind of worked for a little bit. It didn't work too much in the playoffs because they just kind of found like their couple guys who were solid and used them throughout the playoffs. And then we get to their offense, which is like the biggest reason why I think that they're not going to be as like, I don't think that they're going to be as productive this year. I mean, they lost one of the best leadoff hitters in baseball in George Springer. I don't care what you say about him in 2017 because he is one of the few guys on that team who did not seek out the confrontation of the controversy around their 2017 season. He was kind of he was one of those guys who even though he didn't speak out against what they did too much, he just kind of kept his head down because it's really hard to go out and say anything about what you guys did when Carlos Correa runs his big fat fucking mouth. <laughs> And Bregman and Altuve all kind of trying to justify it. Yeah, yeah, Altuve, Altuve to justify. I think Bregman really just kind of like he 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 has the problem where he has a really big social media presence. Like I I followed him before all this stuff came out, and like he posts very often. So like his problem is that he has such a big social media presence that everybody's like trying to get on his ass about it, and he just mm. refuses to acknowledge any of it. That's like his thing. But, like, I don't see that as evil as Carlos Correa going out and just saying, who cares? And, like, we shouldn't have to apologize. That kind of sucks. And then, of course, Jose Altuve had to go out and get a new tattoo for that whole cover-up debacle thingy. But, like, yeah. the point is, George Springer, I don't really have too much against. He may have, like, it's, it's kind of like the, the Black Sox scandal where we're not entirely sure who actually, like, partook in this but we just assume that it was most of them shoeless joe was innocent shoeless yes he was. Joe was innocent. yes he was the mlb should let shoeless joe into the hall of fame because he's one of the greatest hitters of all time and he's innocent and he proved Plus, it <laughs> that other guy that was innocent and in if you watch the movie eight man out there was another guy who like every year till he died fought the decision by the hall of fame I don't remember. Never. I don't remember his name either. But he, his family still every once in a while will appeal the decision by MLB to allow their uh, 
great grandfather in the Hall of Fame. Watch the movie Eight Man Out because the the guy they really say is like the most innocent isn't actually Shoeless Joe. It's a different guy who like basically made no errors, hit three hot three, hit three ten in the series, and they still looped him in with the the guys who mm-hmm. accepted the money. But anyway, yeah, so really it should have been six men at most. <laughs> yes. Um. But anyway, back to the Astros. So like aside from just personality. You do have Michael Brantley, who is one of the best pure contact hitters in baseball. I will agree. And you have, you have like Breg, like their infield of Bregman, Correa, Altuve, and Gurriel is a solid offensive unit. But I just think that coming into this new year of like a full season, I mean, we saw them in a shortened schedule go up against only West teams. They struggled really. Not many of them, except for Springer, really hit well. Except for Kyle Tucker, and Kyle Tucker is innocent. If you're gonna if you're gonna direct any of your Astro shaming, remember, Tucker was innocent, and so is Brantley. They were not there. <laughs> um, but they are gonna have to go up against an actual full ML, like full Major League Baseball season this year. Like they're gonna have to get, go up against teams that they didn't see last year. Whether it's gonna be rookies, like who knows? Like they're gonna face Tristan McKenzie at some point. And they're gonna have to deal with his string bean filth. Like it's gonna be interesting gonna to, to see what they do. They're gonna have to pitch to Wander Franco and Bobby Dalback. They're gonna mm-hmm. like there. There's so much that they have not like seen in the last year. I mean, like this goes for every team, but the fact that they have taken some big hits. Like they don't really have a catcher right now. They have Martin Maldonado. I'm pretty sure, and maybe no, they went out and got Jason Castro, didn't they? They think they might resign. I mean, Maldonado is not a bad catcher by any no, he, he's a de- good catcher defensively he's very good but offensively this guy i don't know i don't know the last time he hit over 230 like that's the thing like he's not going to be a producer on offense like he doesn't really even hit home runs either to go along with his sub 230 average like he's just going to be a guy who you throw behind the plate because he's good defensively like i'm sure zach grinky I'm, I'm pretty sure zach grinky actually loves pitching to him like if i remember correctly like hearing in an interview but this is a team that is that is without a captain right now. As much as you think that Correa could be because of just his demeanor on the field, but he they, or Altuve even because of just how long he's been there. I believe he's the longest tenured Astro on that entire team. But they don't have a leader without George Springer. They don't have somebody who can be a catalyst. They don't have somebody who can like make the big play um, to save the game in the outfield. They don't. I just don't see them having the same chemistry that they had in the questionable years of 2015 to 2019. I just, I, I, th- I think they, I don't think they make it. Like they're still a great team and they're going to be, or, well, I, I might be putting too much faith in the word great. They're still a solid team and they're going to be an annoying pest in the West. But the problem is you have the A's, who, no matter who you put on that team, are always going to be in the playoffs. And you have the Angels, whose pitching only got better over the offseason, and their offense is solid. And now they have some rookies who are actually starting to come up and prove themselves, like Joe Adele is finally starting to hit in spring training. Um, like I said, the Angels' infield is disgusting, even Jose Iglesias. Um, like almost like seeming time, seem like being a timeless shortstop. Like he's been around for over 10 years and he's still playing fantastic. So like the angels team, I think is going to replace them as the second team for the West to get in. I agree. I mean, like you look around, like the base lost people. Yeah. They get it. They have out now, but like they lost Springer and Springer is a big bat. 
The Angels got better. The Mariners have a bunch of prospects that are about to come up. They're trying to reestablish themselves. Yeah, the Rangers are just kind of bad. But, like, the Rangers yeah. are Chris Davis now. So, Chris Davis, David Dahl are going to win a couple games for the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, going to bed, you think, yeah, you're right. It's Martin, it's Martin Maldonado and Jason Castro are the two catchers for the Astros. Knew it. But, yeah, that's the thing. Like, there's just – all these teams around them are getting better. They're going out and they're grabbing people who are going to make their team better. And the Astros just are kind of in Stillwater. If anything, they're just losing. They're losing players. So um, it seems like that's the case in the entire city of Houston when it comes to sports. They're just losing their best guys just out of nowhere. You know, J.J. Watt, gone. DeAndre Hopkins a couple of years ago, gone. Deshaun Watson, about to be gone. James Harden, gone. Like, Houston's just screwed. <laughs> anyway, um, I think that's enough rambling. Uh, I'm pretty sure that anybody who listens to this and hates the Astros is probably going to be like tired of us talking about the Astros. But I mean, hey, at least we told you that they're not going to make the playoffs this year. So, yay. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, Let's talk about our top two through 10 players in Major League Baseball. (laughs) Say two through 10? Oh, right. Right. I forgot about that joke because. Um, we don't really need to talk about number one because he's just been the best for like ever. <laughs> but I feel like we should start at 10 and then work our way to two and then just like everyone knows who left over is number one. I agree. I agree. All right. All right. Would you like to go first? Do you want me to go first for 10? Uh, you know what? I think uh, I think you can take this one. All right. So I'm saying Jacob deGrom is the 10th best player in Major League Baseball. And do you want to build on that? <laughs> So the reason why is because he's got lights out stuff. He's one of the most dominant pitchers to be the last, like in the game. But like many Mets pitchers, he has not necessarily stayed healthy. If he's been able to stay healthy, I think you can easily make him higher on the list. But his stuff lights out. He's going to dominate. Hopefully they figure out a way to keep him healthy now so he can climb higher on the list of you know top ten. Okay. Okay. Well, you'll have to you'll have to wait to see my ranking of Jacob Degrom. He did make my top ten, but uh, vastly different from the ten spot. Um, my ten spot is actually Anthony Rendon, who I noticed you don't even have on your top ten list, in which I say shame on you. So Anthony Rendon has been, yes, not as flashy and great on defense as Nolan Arenado and Matt Chapman, but he's still an above average fielder. He still saves you runs, but not only does he save you him on defense. He absolutely produces the shit out of some runs on offense. Like I said, he was robbed of the 2019 MVP award. He is a he was a great average hitter. I believe he hit above 320 that year. He hit over 30 home runs, drove in over 100 RBIs, and scored almost 100 runs, if not over 100 runs. He's just a fantastic third baseman. Last year, of course, you know, 2020 season is really hard to kind of gauge how good a player really is or how good they're really going to be. But he still hit extremely well in a completely new environment. So, Anthony Rendon, you're my boy at 10. See, Rendon would have been my 11. So, you That's shame right. me for nothing. I shame you for everything. All right, All right you right. go with your nine now. Well, All right, my nine is actually somebody who, again, you don't have on your list. And I'm, curi- I'm, I'm curious w- what your reasoning is, but I think I might know a little bit of it. So I have Fernando Tatis Jr., who everybody is saying now is like the new face of baseball, which makes sense. He's flashy. He's fun to watch. He plays the game competitively and hard. And not only does he do that, but he actually is a fantastic player. He's got great defense. He has absolutely fantastic offense. The thing that I think that you'll probably agree with me on, though, is he has not played enough. 
I think that he is a top 10 player for sure, which is why I'm putting him on here. But if, if you ask me to make like an absolute for sure top 10 list and not one that would like spark conversation and be fun for a podcast, he probably wouldn't make the list because he has not played a full 162 games in his MLB career yet. So yes, he's a 300 hitter. Yes, he could probably hit 40 home runs a year if he asked him to. And yes, he will save you a shit ton of runs on defense, but he has not played a full season yet. But apparently that's enough for the Padres to like what he's done is enough for the Padres to sign him to a 14 year deal. So <laughs> look, I definitely think he's the, one of the greatest players in the game right now. But like you said, he just hasn't played a lot. So I'm hesitant to put him in like top 10. But if he if he if he plays a full year and he does what he's been doing, oh, number three for sure. Like he'll might be my number three next year. Mm-hmm. But my number nine is actually who I think is one of the most underrated players in Major League Baseball. Uh two hit wit Merrifield because he is one of the greatest hitters right now, contact hitters. He has gotten multiple 200-hit seasons. He is a fantastic glove and can play multiple positions. And he's, because he plays for Kansas City, does not get the recognition or the love he deserves. True. I, I, I will agree. I, I don't know if he's on my – he's not on my top 10. I don't know, like, where he would be because I only made 10. <laughs> but I do agree. He's very underappreciated and a very, very solid player. All right, my number eight is actually someone you didn't include, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm curious to see why. Uh, Shohei Otani, because to me, he is a great power hitter, and he is a lights-out pitcher, and when he's healthy and can do both, I don't see why he's not the eighth-best player in Major League Baseball. See, that is my – what you just said right there is one of my reasons why he's not in there is because of his health. Now, I know this is probably going to be like like a – like, almost hypocritical of me saying like he's not healthy he doesn't play enough but like Tatis is on my list for not playing 162 games like whatever like Like you're ignoring DeGrom's injury like to put him higher (laughs) shut up but at least Fernando Tatis has played both sides consistently and like he's may have gotten hurt but he's still playing both he's still playing like defense and offense regularly Jacob DeGrom too he may have gotten injured but look at Noah Syndergaard who was another fantastic like pitcher in baseball probably maybe top 30 pitcher in baseball but he just keeps getting injured like Jacob DeGrom not on the same level of injury as Noah Syndergaard and every time and injury doesn't seem to stop him either like he can have three Tommy Johns in a row and he'll still probably come out throwing 100 miles an hour with a disgusting slider and make you look like an idiot Shohei Otani has not pitched like, I don't even think a half season of baseball, really. He's mostly been used as a DH. And although he's a great power bat, he seems to show a little bit of inconsistency so far, which is like one of my things. Like, as a hitter, he's a solid hitter. I don't, I don't know if I'd call him a top 10 hitter, but like, if you're talking about an overall player, maybe. But his pitching side is still what is a little bit shaky to me simply because he, I just don't think that we've seen him at the top of his game, considering he's been injured so far. This season, I expect big, great things from him. He's already hitting like triple digits in spring training or whatever. So um, I heard ex- the limits. So. Yeah, he's expected to play a full season at pitcher. There's supposed to be no lagging injuries from his past stints on the injury reserve. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, and he has absolutely disgusting stuff. Like his splitter is nasty. So like... I, I I think if he has a like if he has a fantastic pitching season this like if he if he has like a 350 ERA wins few games like hits around 30 home runs 
there you go. Top 10 player without question. I'll put him in there. But as of right now, I just think that I haven't seen the best that I could from him so far. All right. Who's your number eight, Eli? It is a pitcher, and it is a pitcher that you would not expect. It is Liam Hendricks. So it's really I, I, I almost don't like that I did this putting a relief putting a relief pitcher in your top 10 because they don't get the appearances that your starting pitchers get. They don't pitch for the same length. They don't have like the same overwhelming dominance that you would see from somebody like Jacob deGrom or whatever. But Liam Hendricks just in his like as himself like back when he was like the backup guy for Blake Trinan or the setup guy he was still a filthy pitcher I don't think that this dude's career ERA is a is like above 210 I really like I don't remember exactly what it is but it is stunningly low he's a fantastic consistent uh, relief pitcher and he's getting better with age and now that he's in uh, an organization that doesn't have a set uh, closing pitcher, he's going to shine even more. I mean, I know that he was the closer for Oakland, but now he's coming to a team that is definitely going to get him some more run support and where he doesn't have to put as much pressure on him in like these, like a high leverage situation every time he comes out in the game, you know, take a little bit of the edge off. This dude is still going to be a, like, he just already is the best closer in the game. And I think he's just going to get better. I mean, yeah, but, like, he's the only closer on our list for a reason. <laughs> yeah, I know, but, like, he's that good of a closer, dude. Like, he's just so good. All right. All right. I want to hear your reasonings for putting number seven so low. <laughs> you know what? I'm... Just admit... Right, it's, Freddie of... it's Freddie Freeman. It's Freddie Freeman. It's Freddie Freeman. Just admit just admit blasphemy, repent, and we'll move on. <laughs> I will not repent. I will not admit blasphemy. I'm just confused as well because I don't think I meant to do that. <laughs> um, so I think he was supposed to be... Okay, I think seven is supposed to be at five and then six is seven and five is six. I think that's what it's supposed to be for me. <laughs> I okay, think I messed up. You still did Freddie Freeman at seven, <laughs> so I'll never let you forgive that. I think I messed up. Okay, so um, I'll just I'll go with I'll 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 move my stuff down real quick. Okay, so what should be my seven is Mookie Betts. <laughs> so, uh, Mookie Betts, absolutely incredible defensive player, um, without a doubt. So, I mean, I don't think we really need to talk about that uh, anymore. Um. I would have him higher on my list had it not been for last season. Now, I know that I already said, like, 60-game season, how can you really attest to how good a guy actually is, blah, blah, blah. But Mookie Betts had a, had a hiccup that I think was, like, massive even for a 60-game season, which was he could not hit a left-handed pitcher to save his life. He was hitting, like, 300 or something with all of – literally every single home run he hit last season came off of a right-handed pitcher. He didn't hit a single home run off a lefty. And this is a guy who didn't discriminate against who he fucked over when he was in Boston. If you were a lefty, if you were a righty, if you threw, like, from the seat of your pants, he would take you deep and he would make you, like, wish you were dead. But we didn't see that against left-handed pitchers from Mookie this last season. So that, like – if we saw like a little bit more consistency, like if he hit even 250 against lefties, he'd be up higher. All right. So my number seven is DJ LeMayhew. And you might be saying, 
Derek, why is DJ LeMahieu not top five? Because he plays at Yankee Stadium. Small. <laughs> Power doesn't count. Anyway, he's a great hitter, and he has a lot of he, He's a great fielder. But I don't know. When I looked at the other guys I had for higher than him, I couldn't justify dropping them lower to put DJ LeMahieu higher. Uh, my number six is actually another guy that you do not have on your list. You did not oh, yeah. include Francisco Lindor. And I'm curious how you could put Tatis Jr. on your list, but you ignore Mr. Smiles, Lindor, one of the best shortstops in the game. Um, Both offensively and if, defensively. Would it be wrong of me to say conversation? <laughs> You forgot, so we'll move on. Hey, I, 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 if I remember, like, we did, okay, for the record, we did these lists a long time ago. These were supposed to be on our Hall of Fame episode, but we ran, we ran out of time. So yeah, so I gave you, extra, I gave you an extra two weeks to fix it. I, I had my list, I was done, I was set, I, at least I thought, but like, I'm pretty sure that I left Lindor out for a reason, and that reason was to put Tatis in. <laughs> So right. saying conversation is not completely like complete lunacy for me. Um, All right, who's your number six? So um, I gotta remember to, that I'm moving these down. My six is actually also is is DJ Lemayhu. So you have him at seven, I have him at six. So you know, not really too big of a difference, I would say. Yeah. Um. Yes, his power does not count much because it's Yankee Stadium, but he's still an incredible contact hitter. Like, I mean, he hit three sixty something last year. Like again, sixty game season, but like even before that, he was hitting three twenty. So he's just fantastic, and he's one of only two players in baseball history to win a batting title in both leagues, and I believe the only player in the modern era. So, yeah, good on you, DJ. <laughs> again, sixty right. game season, but still. Now give us your new number five. My new number five is Fredward Freeman. <laughs> um, now you might be asking, is his name actually Fredward? No, it is not. I wish it was. So this man, I, I have the same thing with you about like Garrett Cole, where yes, he's fantastic, but the guys that I have ahead of him, I just have a hard time moving down. You know. You mean with my DJ Lemayhu? I thought you were. Oh, I thought you. No, said that was Lemayhu. I said like, yeah, he's good, but I couldn't justify <clears throat> moving anyone down to put him higher. Whatever. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> but yeah that, that's how i see him like yes he's good yes like he's a fantastic player he just and also like probably just one of like the greatest human beings in baseball like so just i don't know i don't know why i just freaking love freddie freeman he's just the best um but like the last couple seasons um leading up to his mvp year you know there have always been first basemen who compete with him as like the best in baseball and like so guys like paul goldschmidt who i still think is probably maybe the best overall first baseman if you look at like full careers um but freddie freeman i, I like if he has one more season anywhere near what he did in 2020 there you go he'll probably be like my number two or number three best player in baseball for like without a doubt so i don't know he's it's it's really not much to say of why he's there other than the guys ahead of him i just find i, I think are better and i can't justify moving any of them down well, okay. I mean, I get that, but I think you're wrong. Uh, number five <laughs> for me is Garrett Cole, mm -hmm. uh, former Pirates ace. He is now the new Yankees oh, ace. shut up. 
<laughs> Stop plugging the pirates. I'm going to plug them all the time, every time I want. Anyway, I mean, like, he's, to me, one of the best pitchers in the game. Like, yeah, like, Verlander's great. Scherzer's great. But to me, like, Cole is the guy now. Cole, I think, is when you talk about, like, best pitches in the game, like, I think it's Garrett Cole and then very close Scherzer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's – I don't really have much more to say. Yeah, that's just – yeah, he's a great, great pitcher. Great now, people might be asking, like, if, like, is Scherzer on your list? No. Uh, and that's it, it's, <laughs> it's kind of hard to put him on this list, too, because, like, you narrowing it down to 10 players – out of really hard out of 30 teams that each have 25 guys on their roster is fucking difficult and every team has at least at least one or two guys that you could justify putting on a top 10 list yeah like it's not the nba where like each team has like maybe two stars and so like top 10s are kind of easy like this is just fucking hard yeah i mean we we off hey give us like you we want to tweet out your top 10 like you know everyone's gonna have a nice thing you could make a top 10 and if, if you can make 10 top 10s, each with different players, except for number one. And everyone would like, you know, there'd be reasons for, uh, you know, everything. Okay, but my number four is someone you've already talked about, Mookie Betts. And I know you said, like, the whole, like, he didn't hit level against lefties. But I don't know. I just feel like Mookie Betts is going to return to what he was in Boston. I think it's it's strange that your first ever season with a new team is a pandemic-ridden season where you have to fight to get a new contract. But now that the contract's done, regular full season with a full spring training and the Dodgers being the Dodgers, you're going to see Mookie Betts be who I think he is, and that's the fourth best player in Major League Baseball. All right, Eli, who's your number four? All right, my four, it's another one of those where I just have like my guy like a little bit higher than yours. I got Garrett Cole there because, uh, yeah, just one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball, lights out stuff. Um just absolute bona fide ace strikeouts galore. I don't, I don't know. There's not much else to say. And I noticed this is the first thing that we agree on other than uh, our number one, but that's just because it's obvious. Um, we both have the Cardinal himself, Nolan Arenado at number three on our list. And let's just run down exactly why best defensive player in baseball. Probably. Um, There's a lot you can make a case for, but he's definitely one of the best. He's definitely like the probably the best infield defensive infielder in baseball. Yeah. Um, fantastic power hitter, fantastic clutch hitter, fantastic hitter. Period. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know. Like what else do you need? Like the only thing that Nolan Arenado doesn't really have is speed. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what else to say about that. Just he's. Which a- after we're done with this, I want to do a quick plug about about speed quote quote uh um i'm a little concerned <laughs> oh not the drug like a player who is not fast but stole a base in spring training <laughs> oh i thought you were, i thought you were talking about the drug i was really no. confused for a sec <laughs> um so yeah we have the same number three we agree for the same reasons now it's time for me to talk about my number two who i gotta say look if you can get covid be hospitalized, come back, and win an MVP. You're the second greatest player in baseball right now. Okay, yes. I'm just <laughs> – I'm looking at whole career, and I understand that, which is why, like, again – But, like, even whole career, like, he's always been consistently a great first baseman, and over the years has just been getting better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Freeman's got his MVP. Now it's time for him to go win the ring. 
You're welcome, Atlanta. You're going to win a ring soon. Freddie Freeman's winning a ring in Atlanta. They better. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't have too much to say other than I just think Jacob deGrom is my number two. I, I know that you have him at 10 for, like, the injury purposes, but I just don't – like, that's the thing. He hasn't missed as much time as most pitchers do for injuries, and when he comes back, he doesn't have, like, an adjustment period. He Like, the league has to adjust to him. That's the that's the thing with Jacob Degrom. Like, no matter how injured like he is, he will come back playing a completely different game than the MLB is used to, and it'll take him forever to figure it out. Like he's just every year if he doesn't. The only reasons why he doesn't like win a Cy Young is because one guy has a maybe better season than him, or it's the LeBron James effect where they're like, okay, we get it, you're the best, but can we give the award to someone else? <laughs> that's that's what I feel like it is with Jacob Degrom. And with our agreed upon number one guy. Yeah, it shouldn't be like, called the LeBron James effect. It should be called the Mike Trout effect, as he has finished <laughs> in MVP voting like first or second, I think, every year of his career, right? Oh uh, like no, one. he's finished he's finished top five in MVP voting every year of his career. And I think he had a streak of like five years in a row where he was finished one or two. Yeah, I mean so it's like it's like Mike Trout is the greatest player in baseball. He is I mean like it's speechless. Like it's Mike Trout. We don't need to talk. Like everyone knows like, how good Mike Trout is. Yeah. So, like, do you like, like do you need a rundown? Because this is the best kind of rundown we can get. We can give you. He has a career OPS above 900. He has over 300 career home runs already. He is one of the youngest players to get to that mark at his point. He um, already has 200 stolen bases, I believe, and he is one of the youngest to get to that mark as well. Um, especially recently, considering how much stolen base is becoming obsolete in this game, he's on pace to hit around three hundred or three thousand two hundred hit, hits in his entire career. Uh, he has an incredible arm. He has great speed, as we said with stolen bases, but it helps him on defense too. He robs home runs like it. He it, like he literally like robbing a home run should be the new phrase of like taking candy from a baby. It should it shouldn't be that anymore. It should be Mike Trout taking away a homer. That's what it should be because it just happens all the time. <laughs> He's just so much better than anybody in baseball. It's just, it's impossible to argue. Like I don't know. There you go. He's number one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there's not much argument there. I think everyone, I think everyone everywhere, like, top, your top 10 would start with Mike Trout and then nine different players. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I, I don't even think that you need to, like, if you do a top 10 list, don't even include Mike Trout. We know. We should just say Mike Trout's 10 peers. <laughs> yeah, the, ten, the nine people who are not as good as Mike Trout, but still better than everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Here are 10 people who are just not as good as Mike Trout. <laughs> All right, so let's get to a new segment. Oh, I want to talk about my speed thing. Uh, do you want to know who stole a base in spring training, their first stolen base in spring training the regular season since 2016? Since 2016? Ooh. And it was that's... against the Cardinals the, in the ninth inning. Closer was Sung Wong Oh. Uh, wait, are you saying that happened in 2016? This is what happened in 2016, yeah. Oh, shit. I don't know. Uh, the player who stole the base, part of a double steal, so they stole third, was Jacob Stallings. <laughs> stole third base wow. on Sunday against the Orioles. His okay, first it's stolen the Orioles. base. His first stolen base since 2016 against the Cardinals. All right, all right. Congrats, so everyone who wants to be like you. Molina's the greatest stolen, like greatest at throwing out runners, couldn't catch, couldn't catch Jacob Stallings. Yeah, but did he throw to third? <laughs> Now he threw to second. 
Yeah, there you go. If he's still third and he didn't throw to at Stallings, then what the hell are you talking about? No, I was talking about when Malone, when Stallings stole in 2016. He was he straight up stole second against Molina. Oh. oh, I thought you said that he was stealing third on a double. No, he block. he stole third again the in spring train the spring training green. Whatever. None of those details matter because that's not our segment. Now this. No, segment yeah, I just wanted to see the little about. fun little <laughs> thing I saw that I think yeah, I thought you would enjoy. We both have an appreciation for Jacob Stallings. True, true. Uh, um, let's get to a new segment we're going to do. We're going to talk about underrated, overrated, and we're going to do a spring training edition. Mm-hmm. So we picked, we did random generated seven teams, and we're each going to give an under, over. If we feel like it's going too long, we might stop after five and save the last two for later, but we'll I'm see. Also, I'm also confused why this is a spring training edition when it's just like <laughs> talking about the players in baseball, but whatever. I mean, um, like, because it's spring training, that's why. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> we'll do an all-star break version. We'll just totally talk about the all-stars. So yeah. we can look forward to that. Anyway, let's get started with the White Sox. Derek, give me your under. So my underrated player. So I was looking at the roster of the White Sox, and I'm like, man, who could be considered an underrated player? Because to me, like, underrated, overrated should be you don't match your expectation. Mm-hmm. And I think Nick Madrigal is not being credited for what he can be. Nick Madrigal is going to be one of the premier second basemen in the game. And I just don't think he's been given that, like that image yet. I think he's been given a, you're your top prospect. You're gonna be good, but you're not gonna be that memorable. I think Nick Madrigal is gonna end up being the premier second baseman in the game. Yeah, it could happen. The only my my only thing with that is it's really hard to judge a prospect and a guy who hasn't played too much as underrated or overrated. But I I, I understand where you're coming from and I I appreciate it. I mean, and like my, it was either that or I picked like like I mean like Tim Anderson. Everyone like I I don't know. I just feel like Tim Anderson's not underrated. Like everyone knows how good Tim Anderson <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of hard to pick on that team because they're just so stacked. Um. But my underrated actually comes out of their bullpen, and that is Mr. Aaron Bummer. So, comes into the league. (laughs) Shut up. Comes into the league, first two seasons. Has a pretty average um, relief pitcher in the American League season, you know, around like 450, 420 for his first two seasons. And then in 2019, in 58 appearances, the most out of any of his season, uh, out of any season he's played, goes absolutely bonkers with a 213. And has absolutely disgusting stuff. Um, he's continues that, and th- then in twenty in twenty twenty, which of course again odd odd season. But no matter what kind of season you pitch in, throwing a sub one ERA is disgusting from the bullpen. So Aaron Bummer, I never heard of him until about like midway through twenty nineteen too. So like, I, I I feel like he's one of those guys who you just like you don't really think of until all of a sudden you look at his stats and you're just like. Why the hell haven't I heard of this guy? There you go. That's Aaron Bummer to me. All right. Uh, my overrated for the White Sox is Jose Abreu because despite his rookie season and last year, he has not really performed to what everyone expects him to be, which is that perennial MVP candidate. And I think last year was a fluke. And I think the league knows how to pitch to him. And I don't think you're going to see consistent – you don't see consistent numbers from him where he can be – I don't think he should be considered that perennial MVP candidate. So – I never really saw him as a perennial MVP. I always saw him as like, you know, a really good first baseman. Mostly, a, I, I, I actually kind of see him more as a DH because his defense is not that good. But he's doubles machine, RBI machine. Like, uh, I, I just never, like, everyone knows the talks like, oh my God, Jose Abreu is one of the best in the game. I'm like, no, I've never seen it. I don't, I just don't think yeah. he plays to that 
uh, comp. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'd say he's definitely like like fantastic hitter, one of the best offensive players in baseball, though. Mm. Yeah, okay. shut up. Anyway, uh, my over, honestly, is Yasmani Grandal. Now, I know that a lot of people, like if you look at like the Saber metrics and whatever, like they'll say Yasmani Grandal could potentially even be better than JT Real Muto, which I think is bullshit. Because when I watch, okay, when I watch Yasmani Grandal, I don't know what the hell stats these guys are looking at for Saber metrics because I have seen him drop way more pitches than I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Maybe there's not runners on base for it to matter, but that dude just doesn't seem to be able to catch a ball. His framing, I think, is the best part of his game behind the plate. His pop time is kind of trash. It's a good thing that he's got like a decently strong arm to make up for it. But defensively, I just don't see anything special about him. I really don't. Like... I don't see him. I mean, it could be a problem with the fact that he's been in LA and Chicago for like most of his career. Um, I know he had that little stint in uh, Milwaukee and he started in San Diego, but like most, like a big chunk of his career is in LA where he has some of the best pitchers in baseball to catch. So, like, when you don't have to make too many wild stops on some really shitty pitches in high high stress situations, of course it's going to make you look like a great defensive catcher because you don't have to do too much work. Like I just like that's the problem is like when catching defense defensive stats are just kind of like wonky because it relies a lot on like how good location the pitcher has. Like with Real Muto, the Phillies pitching sucks, <laughs> so like he's got to do some more work back there. Um, and offensively, Grandal has power. But he can't get on base unless it's a, unless he gets hit, walk, or it's a homer. Like it's it's either hit by a pitch, a walk, or a homer. Like he can't produce runs other than putting the ball over the fucking fence. Like he's just I don't think he's that good. Yeah, he's really lucked out in being like play, he played uh, played for the Dodgers, played for the Brewers, played for the White Sox. Like three teams that have always kind of had good pitchers that were at least accurate and didn't really rely on wildness or junk to get outs. Yeah, no, like he can. Like, I mean, Clayton Kershaw is one of the most pinpoint precise pitchers in baseball. So, like, you're not really going to have to worry about pass balls with him too much. <laughs> no, yeah. And Brandon Woodruff is just, I'm just going to rear back and fire, and you're not going to touch. <laughs> exactly. Like, he's, he doesn't have to worry. I mean, now he's got Garrett Crochet, who, like, is also the same way. Like, he's just not, doesn't have to worry about it too much. Yeah. Um, anyway, moving on, uh, we're going to go go down south to Miami, um, where I believe my under is Adam Duvall, who is a. Not like I wouldn't put him up there with like some of the best, but a very solid defensive left fielder. He's definitely above average. Um, in the past, his de- his offense has been kind of the thing that's been spotty, but last year especially, and the year before that even, he's proven that he can show some consistency and a shit ton of power. He was it was really a toss up between Marcelo Zuna and Adam Duvall, like before the season started the Braves lucked out with the DH because then they got the luxury of putting Duvall out there with his defense and the two separate three home run games that he had this that season and uh Marcelo Zuno who nearly hit a uh hit for the triple crown last year so I mean I think he's pretty damn good the problem is he's just you know been overshadowed by guys like Marcelo Zuno Ronald Acuna Jr um even their prospects in like Christian Pache and this little Canadian dude named Freddie Freeman like plus two back when he was on the Reds like he had he was hitting behind like he like he had Todd uh Todd Frazier in his and prime. They, yeah in his prime and you had like another guy a Tiger Barnhart when he was good was mm-hmm. like on that so like Adam Duvall just like was this that guy who was playing left field 
Yeah, they just yeah because they had like Eugenio Suarez and Joey Votto ahead of them too. So it's like, what do you like? Who's who's this guy in left field? <laughs> like, yeah, who, who, plus too like the power was there. The hitting hadn't shown up yet. Now the hitting's showing up. So yes, and his defense has always been pretty solid. So yeah, uh, my underrated is a guy who should be considered a premier ace in the game, but is not getting the love he deserves. Sandy Alcantara is the most underrated player on on, on Miami for my in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's good. He's good, and I don't know what else people want from him because he's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just got lights out stuff. If you watch him, he's just a fantastic pitcher. He's like always been. A, he's been a like pretty high rated prospect for a while. It's just nobody really cares because it's Miami. Yeah, like, now that Miami actually is kind of good, and it's because of him. Is why they're kind of good. He should hopefully get more appreciation because he deserves it. Yeah, uh, I, I noticed I, our overrated players the same though. Yes, um, and I will give you three letters as to why. H-G-H. <laughs> okay, so then we have different reasons. Uh, no, I have, I, I, have, I have more than that. I just like to remind you. I was, I was, boy, I got, I was so pissed about that. I just hate when players <laughs> use that. I got so yep. sad. I actually got sad when I found out D Gordon got caught. Yeah, because D Gordon just like seems like such a nice, like, uh, like the Jose Fernandez home run. Um, like uh, the home run that he hit on Jose Fernandez day, like that is that like, I tears. think, dude, it honestly makes me cry every time I watch it. So and like, like if I need a good cry, that's the video I watch. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Ugly like, my cry. eyes are getting, my eyes are getting too dry. I'm like, all right, <laughs> let's watch some D Gordon shit. All right. But, uh, we should have probably actually say the name of the player who we're trying to talk about here. Starling, Starling Marte. Marte. Yeah. Yeah. He's, <laughs> um, so the reason why I think like Marte is a little overrated is because he's just not good as a center fielder. Every time I'd watch like in Pittsburgh, he was a really great left fielder. When Andrew McCutcheon was like kind of running the outfield, that's when you saw the best from Marte. He was in left field. He all he had to worry about was throwing out runners, catching fly balls. But when he became a center fielder, it almost seemed like it was too much for him. He started making really stupid mental mistakes, just not paying attention. And I just don't think, I think he's a better, it'd be better if they just moved him to left field and Penn just had someone else play center field. Yeah, the only problem now is, of course, they don't really have anybody to put in center field other than Marte in Miami, which sucks because I agree. Like, when he was in left field, that was when he did his best work. That's when I, as somebody who was a fan of NL Central teams, feared Starling Marte. Like, yeah, because he had a, you, you knew any base hit to left field, you couldn't send the runner because he was just going to gun him. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, he's still like a decent hitter. Um, his his power um, went down after he stopped using drugs, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, he's still got some wheels, but I mean, defensively, he's nowhere near what he used to be. And, no, like, I, everybody... just, I just think it's he just doesn't like it always seemed like he just wasn't paying attention when he was playing center field. Like, obviously, the ball would be hit and he'd be like, oh no, I have to pay attention now. Yeah, like he had kind of a like a revival of his career a little bit when he was in Arizona, but like. He definitely yeah. revived his offense a lot. Yeah, that was, that was the thing. Like, it was his offense, but whatever. Yeah. Overrated. Right. Let's just talk about the Indians now. All right, so my underrated player to me is a guy who does not get credit for being one of the better catchers in baseball. And everyone can be like, oh, but he's offense, or he's only offense, or blah, blah, blah. Roberto Perez is a great catcher. Yes. I don't, I don't care what you say. Like, to me, if you want to talk about top five catchers in the game, Real Muto, Perez, and, you know, Sean Murphy and Christian Vasquez need to be on that top five. Absolutely. 
Um, I was so close to putting Roberto Perez on your list or on my list too, but I was thinking one, I don't want to agree with you too much because that's not fun. And two, Cesar Hernandez is always underrated no matter where he goes. He is a premium defensive second baseman. He just doesn't get the credit because there's guys like Colton Wong who are just a little bit better, but thankfully he's not in the same uh, league as him anymore. So now he won't be overshadowed. Um, he is a 270 career hitter. He doesn't hit for power at all, but he's a guy who gets on base. He takes his walks. He's a good leadoff guy. He hits from both sides. He's got good speed. He gets on base. He creates runs. He's a fantastic second baseman. I don't understand why people don't like him. <laughs> all right. All so right. my overrated player <laughs> might be surprised some people because it's like, name never heard of him. Uh, Nick Whitgren is supposed to be the new setup man for Cleveland. Now that's who everything I've heard is going to be like, then Nick Whitgren is going to be the setup guy. I don't think he can be. I think he's a good reliever, but I just don't think he'll be able to arrive, like rise to the to the occasion. And I think he will fall just short of being able to be a consistent setup guy. Now you see, I I, I agree with that, and I, I, but the thing, the reason why I'm not gonna be like, eh, is uh, is like what you said before, like Nick Whitgren, like who the hell would think about him? <laughs> um, my guy is somebody who. I don't even know if I believe in him being overrated simply because I don't really think that there's a guy on the on Cleveland who's really that overrated. I really don't. I think if anything they're a pretty underrated team or a team with a bunch of guys who just haven't lived up to the hype that they did that they were supposed to like when they were prospects. So I picked Fran Reyes, who is a big burly light tower dude who's lucky he's in the league with the DH now because he can't play the outfield. But he seems to be kind of like an all-or-nothing guy at the plate. His average has kind of crept up a little bit when he's been with Cleveland. But when I watch him, I'm, all I think is, yikes, if you hang a slider, it's gone. But if you throw that slider away, easy out. I just, I don't know. He's kind of like, he's got potential. But I just, I think people, there's just a little bit too much hype around him being a hitter. Because like, he's like one of those guys where it's like one three true outcome. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, like, I thought about putting Mil Reyes, but then I was like, mm, I don't know. Uh, the Red Sox. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so my uh, my under is I have him at the – we already talked, kind of talked about him. It's the same reason why you have Roberto Perez. Christian Vasquez is an incredible defensive catcher. His offense maybe leaves something to be desired. I think he's a little bit better of a hitter than Roberto Perez. He's got a little bit more power, and he's his average, I think, is a little bit better too. But – Defensively, it doesn't matter. He and Roberto Perez are two of the best defensive catchers in baseball that don't get any credit. Like, just there's not much to say. Great defensive catcher, decent offensive catcher. Why the hell don't people appreciate him? So I'm actually, the reason I picked my, because I was thinking about going Christian Vasquez, because I do agree, elite catcher, but just doesn't get the recognition. The reason why I went with Michael Chavis is because last year, the temporary manager that took over because they technically couldn't have Alex Cora did not start Chavis at all. He barely started Chavis. Ron Renneke just did not give this guy who in 2019 was a vital part of Boston's offense, would not give him a lick of sunshine. And to me, Chavis' ability to play second base and first base, like you could have you could have found a spot for him. And now with that Bobby Dow back up, like Chavis is going to have to be the everyday second baseman if he's going to play. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, he was not given the, the whole – he was not given a chance to say, I was that guy last year and I can do it consistent times because Ron Renneke was like, I just don't think you're good. Mm-hmm. And to me, that sucks because I think Chavis is one of the best in the game in terms yeah, of, plus, like, power-hitting second baseman. 
Plus, who are you going to start at second base over Michael Chavis in Boston? Like, yeah, I, I, I think I ended up starting. Um, I don't even remember his name. I think it was like a Rods or something. I don't even know. Oh, uh, I don't even. Does it's not even important because Michael Chavis is the only guy who should be out there right now. <laughs> yeah, Michael Chavis is the guy who should be at second base for the Boston Red Sox. But Ron Rennick yeah. was like, "No, I want start someone else," and I was like, "Yep, why?" So uh, here's my guy, and I saw your face when you read who it was. It is Chris Sale. Now. When he was in Chicago in his first year and a half with Boston, he was probably one of the most dominant left-handed pitchers in the entire game of baseball. But where has he been? He has been complete. He's been injured. I don't think he's pitched anywhere near a full season in the last three years. And like, I understand like, how can you like judge a guy for being overrated? Like when he hasn't pitched yet. And it's like, well, that's the point because everybody talks about, Oh, Chris sale. When he comes back, he's going to be so dominant. He's going to be just like he was before. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, but is he, though? He hasn't pitched in three years. There are some guys who have won awards in the time that he's been gone that he's never even seen. Like, he's not at all been... Like he has not faced um, Juan Soto yet. I understand it's a lefty-lefty, so, like, you might be like, oh, maybe he'll, like, win because of the handed matchup. But Juan Soto is one of those guys who doesn't discriminate. So, like, you really think that he's that like he's going to outpitch Juan Soto or outpitch um, Ronald Acuna Jr., outpitch Wander Franco? I know that he hasn't seen much either, but, like, he hasn't seen Chavis either. Oh, wait, no, he's on the same team. What am I talking about? I'm getting so ahead of myself. I just don't think that Chris Sale is that good. I, like... His prime is over, and his injuries have cemented that. He is done. So my overrated is Rafael Devers. And someone might be saying, why? Uh, I just don't think he is that good of a third baseman. I think he's been kind of overhyped as the guy who can, you know, lead an offense. I don't. I think defensively he's not that good. I mean, like, he's a solid, he's a, he's a solid hitter. But he streaks a lot, and I just feel like when you look at and you look at the team, and you say, okay, who's playing above what they or who's being credited above what they actually are? I think Devers is the obvious choice. No, yeah, I can't really argue with that. There, I just, I, I'm just holding out hope. I'm, I'm, I might be one of those guys, but like, I'm just holding out hope that he can go back to what he was that season where he had like shit ton of doubles <laughs> you and every boston fan i think yeah pretty much i mean it was a fun time i love watching doubles man um anyway let's move over to uh kansas city um place with i like, with best or second best barbecue in the in the country depending on who you ask best. um no 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 cap best 100 percent. not even close okay. best whatever i mean I, I, like the top three in the in America are like KC, like Memphis, and uh, Texas. Whatever, yeah, Texas. Basically, the entire state of Texas. But this isn't a barbecue baseball po- baseball podcast. This is just a normal baseball podcast. Look, and- all, I, all I'm gonna say is there's only one there's only one ballpark where you can hit around a mini golf, watch a baseball game, and eat some brisket nachos, and that's Kaufman. So. I'm upset that I didn't know about the mini golf and I will be going to Kansas city as soon as possible. Anyway, let's talk about our underrateds. Derek, you have a guy who is not at all related to the second baseman, Brian, but in fact, a man with the same last name, Hunter Dozier. Yes. A guy who just got received a four year contract extension from the Royals. And I saw a lot of people being like, who is that? To which me made me really upset because Hunter Dozier plays multiple positions, plays right field, third base, first base is a very good hitter, has some good power, and to me is everything that Mike Moustakis was in Kansas City, but from the right side. Yep, I can't really argue with that. 
Um, my guy, uh, he's going to be a little bit of, it's kind of like the Nick Madrigal situation where I wasn't really sure who to pick and he might be a little bit iffy because of how young he is. But Josh Stomont, I watched this guy pitch. He throws like a hundred and plus miles an hour of absolute pinpoint precision and heat. It's beautiful. And then he follows up with a disgusting slider and a changeup and you're just, and you're out in three pitches. It's nasty. And I think just because he's on a team with not really like, like they're not a top 10 team in baseball or whatever, like he doesn't really get too much credit. And especially as a relief pitcher, it's really hard to get credit even when you're on a good team. So but when he's but like there are some guys who are just that good and i think that josh stormont is just that good all right so my overrated is brad keller and to me like i like the royal so it's hard for me to find someone who i think was like overrated and the reason i went with keller is because i feel like keller the last couple of years has been like they've been looking at him to be the ace you know they've been looking at him to fill in like the fill in the gap to be that guy that starts opening day you know, your guy that's going to go deep into ball games, have a sub three RA. And I just don't think Keller is good. He's a good pitcher. And I think he's a good, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to make a living of being three through three through four or you know, three or four. I just don't think he can be an ace. And I think that's what Kansas City wants him to be. Yeah, fair. See, my overrated is actually Carlos Santana. Now I know that he's not played a single regular season game as a Royal yet, but I just think as a player, he's a little bit overrated. He had that, like he had some good times as early early in his career in uh, Cleveland. After a while, he really just kind of fell off. He became one of the all or nothing guys. Went to Philly, kind of revised his, revitalized his career a tad to the point where Cleveland wanted him back. But then after that, just... He's really just been like all or nothing guy. He hasn't really been all that consistent at the plate. He doesn't really drive in runs anymore unless they're on third base and there's less than two outs and you can hit a sack fly. Um, his defense doesn't exist anymore. Like he has to be a DH. Like it's just, I don't know. I don't really see Carlos Santana as really what he used to be. I Now I, now I see his name and I'm like, damn, if only it were the guitarist. I mean, like, we were talking about this earlier, like, Kansas City has an offense filled of guys who can hit station to station, and then they go and get that one guy who's pretty much all or nothing. This is the new all or nothing guy. The only difference is this offense might be a little better because now they have a guy with Solaire who is a good hitter, but then also just slams the ball sometimes. Yeah, yeah it's but the, you always got to have that all or nothing guy. It's just kind of fun. And yeah. uh, Santana's that guy. He's going to be the DH. O'Hearn's going to play first. Yeah. And uh, moving on now to Baltimore, the most fun team to talk about. Um, so since we have the same overrated, I think we should just get it out of the way because it's fun. Uh, yeah. we, we both have Chris Davis. I mean, the dude was getting paid like hundreds of millions of dollars to hit under 200 and strike out like 30 it, times a season. And it may be like a cop-out because it's like, well, everyone knows Chris Davis is bad, but at the same time, it's like, who else on the Orioles is even rated remotely high? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I mean, like I mean, if you think about it though, Chris Davis is technically overrated because you gave him this massive contract after he screwed Miguel Cabrera out of back-to-back -back triple grounds, and then everybody was thinking, "Oh, he's going to be one of the best hitters in baseball." Like, let's go! And so you give him this massive contract, and he's dookie. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> so and just by the definition of underrated or, or of overrated, uh, he has to be the only one, right? Yeah, but um. Because we have the same, I thought it would be fine for me to pick. I, I kind of had two because I couldn't quite pick between the two of them. I have Freddie Galvis and I have Pedro Severino. 
Pedro Severino, great offensive catcher. I, he does, he's not that great defensively, because, um, but because he's in Baltimore, he doesn't really get too much recognition. He can hit around 260. He can slug some homers. He can. He's pretty much their big RBI guy in the middle of the order. And now they have somebody to put ahead of him to get on base. They have Freddie Galvis, who's got good hands at the plate. He can slap the ball the other way. Like He can do it from both sides of the plate as a switch hitter, and he has fantastic hands out in, out at shortstop. I mean, the last couple of years, the Orioles have gotten kind of lucky with infielders. I mean, they had Jonathan VR for some of the best years of his career out in, out in Baltimore. Then they got Jose Iglesias, who has always been a premier defensive shortstop. And now they have Freddie Galvis, like – if the Orioles can keep getting all these good defensive shortstops, why can't they just put together the rest of the team, man? <laughs> I mean, even too, like looking back, like before VR, they had JJ Hardy, who's the best years yeah. he ever played were in Baltimore. Like he had good years in Milwaukee, but he was just more consistent in Baltimore. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure there was a guy in between, but then the guy before that was pretty much Kyle Ripken Jr. Who, I mean, yeah. it's Kyle Ripken Jr. So like Baltimore is just like, they keep, they got the shorts, the secret shortstop dynasty. Like what the hell? The trick is, it's just, it still absorbs all that energy from Kyle Ripken Jr. that whoever plays shortstop in a Baltimore Orioles uniform just becomes Kyle Ripken Jr. <laughs> Pretty much. Those those consecutive games that he played, like, they're just, like, they're running all those out. So, like, for however many games that he played, they're going to have that many games of good shortstops. <laughs> all right. Um, anyway, who's your, who's your under? Mine is Anthony Santander. The reason why I think he's underrated is because he has one of the best outfield arms in the game. He's a really good defensive right fielder. And the dude's got contact and power. Like he was, he was the offense last year for Baltimore. Like sue me. Like he's he's the best player on Baltimore right now, and I just don't feel like people want to give him the credit he's due. I think it's mostly just because he plays for Baltimore, but I mean, and that is why he's been one of. Those, <laughs> I think we. I think you might have said this before. He's one of those guys that as soon as he leaves Baltimore, he's going to be recognized as a MVP candidate. Absolutely. And I, I like, I, I was going to pick him too, just because it just seemed like a no brainer because like, he's such a good player, but nobody gives a shit about him. But I was like, yeah, but like in terms of Baltimore, he's their star. Like, Also shout out to uh, Trey Mancini playing in a playing back after coming yes. back from uh colon cancer. Happy to love to see it. He's a great guy. He's going to be on my fantasy team. So if you steal him from me, I will punch you. I mean, I've had worse than your weak ass <laughs> punching me, so I can deal with it. <laughs> But yeah, no, um, fantastic, like incredible feat, like coming back, especially like so soon, because like it hasn't even been a year since he was diagnosed. So, like that's just incredible. Um, yeah, good on you, Trey Mancini. We love you. All um, right. So our last West, team yeah. is the San Diego Padres. So my underrated player is actually Tommy Pham, and the reason why is like, I appreciate that as a Cardinal fan. <laughs> The reason why I think this former Ray uh, is underrated, fuck you, <laughs> is because I mean, like, he's always been that guy that like he's had a lot of hype around him, but then it never really panned out with you know the exact way they wanted it to. And he did have a good season with Tampa Bay, and then kind of faded. And I just feel like with San Diego, he's going to get a chance to revive himself, and I think he will. But I don't think he's he's I don't want I think when people are looking at the offense, they're not contributing how much is going to be because of Tommy Pham. Yeah, um, I don't think that he's been really appreciated as much as he should have been. And, I mean, there was even a time where when he was with St. Louis when he finally was brought up because, you know, he spent so much of his career in the minors. Um, he actually had a vision problem. I didn't know if you knew about that, but he actually mm -hmm. got it corrected, and he actually became a better hitter. So he got his vision corrected after, I believe it was the 2016 season, in which he hit 226. So not all that great, 
But then he comes back in 2017 with better eyesight and hits 306 with St. Louis, <laughs> which I was so pissed about because, like, you just got a guy who fixed himself and he's now like to become like a great outfielder. Let's go. And then halfway through the season, you trade him over to Tampa Bay where he continues hitting and actually slugs a little bit better and, and hits 275. And like last year, down year, but who didn't have a down year in, 27, in 2020? But he's still a career 270 hitter. Like, he can he can hit around like 20 25 home runs a season if you look if like especially from the right side you know right um left field in uh San Diego's not terribly deep so if he hits a good it's hard line drive wall. yeah if he hits a good low line drive he, there you go he's got homers so yeah i agree with Tommy Pham but i will go with their catchers and i say catchers plural because i think that Victor Caratini didn't really get too much of a shot because he was playing behind Wilson Contreras in Chicago. Um, but now that he came over with you, Darvish, because he's like his personal catcher, he's, he's, he's like the John Lester, David Ross thing going on right now. He's a good switch hitter. He's got, he's got power from both sides. He's ha- he has a couple games where he's hit him from both sides of the plate. He just doesn't get too much time out there to really flourish. He doesn't get enough time to actually become a great catcher, which I think he could be. He's, he's already pretty decent defensively. It's just that... He was playing behind Wilson Contreras, so why start him when you have Willie? Um, and the other guy that I have with him is Austin Nola, who has been kind of has like, didn't really get too much time in Seattle just because Seattle had like an ever had a never ending rotation of catchers and they didn't really know who to pick yet. Um, and they finally sent him over to San Diego, and I think that now that those two, Caratini and Nola, are like their two big name catchers on that team. Now that they got rid of Castro, uh, Hedges, and Mejia, I think you're going to see probably the same thing of Caratini maybe being shunted off to the side, and Austin Nola taking over as their everyday catcher. But he's got a great bat, and he's pretty decent defensively. I think he could he and Caratini will learn a lot from each other, and I think they're both going to get much much better this next season. Yeah, I definitely think you're right. I think Noel's going to be in the starter, and then you're back to Caratini being the backup slash Darvish's personal catcher. Uh, my overrated player is you, Darvish. <laughs> I just don't think he's an ace. I don't think he's been an ace since his second year with second, third year with the Rangers. Uh, he's always pitched well, but there's a difference between pitching well and being an ace. I just don't think when you get to the big games, I don't think you can trust – I don't think you need to – I don't think Darvish is the guy you're like, here's the ball. We're not even worrying about you. Like, he just yep. doesn't seem like he has that same drive, and I think that affects his game when it comes down to, like, you know, when the moment becomes big, I think that's where he ends up hurting him. And I think he's a little overrated because everyone's like, Darvish is the best pitcher on San Diego now. And it's like, no. <laughs> no, it's Blake Snell. It's Blake Snell for sure. It's Blake Snell. The guy, you know <laughs> – yeah, pitched in big games and dominated, and then got screwed over. Uh, yeah, because that's 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 the thing too with you, Darvish. Like he's like he's been in the World Series three, four times, three times I think in his career. He was in there twice with Texas in uh, eleven and tw- was it eleven and twelve, or was it ten mm, and eleven? I think he's at least made two World Series appearances. Actually, I don't know if he ever made one of the Rangers. I think his first was with he- the Dodgers. Maybe I was wrong then, but uh, even so, playing with the Dodgers in the World Series, whether they cheated in the World Series or not remains to be seen, but the Astros absolutely torched him. I don't think he, I think he pitched under four innings in two appearances when he Plus started. Plus two, it didn't help that he, he was asked, like, they were like, oh my God, like, 
what's it like playing in the World Series? And he was like, I never grew up wanting to be in the World Series. So this this is just like a regular game to me. And then like got chill, like got drilled. And I was like, mm, not a good sign to be like, it didn't matter to me. And then like you go out and do bad. Yeah, no, you need to have that winner's mentality because you can't go out there and say it's just another bad game because it's not just another bad game. This is something that is bigger than you. Yeah. So um, my overrated guy, and I kind of had trouble with this because, I mean, like your reasoning for Darvish makes sense, but I still think that he is a very fantastic pitcher. Um, I, I couldn't really figure out a guy who I thought was overrated, so I kind of went with Jerks and Profar because – and it's kind of weird because maybe some people will even be like, who? Who the hell is he? Because he doesn't start anymore. He And I don't think he should because he's not a good hitter anymore. He was one of those guys who was a top prospect years ago. And as soon as he came into the league, he really just didn't show any signs of being what people thought he was. And now he's getting paid. Um, they just signed him to um, like, a, I think it was a club option for one year, five and a half million dollars to be a bench guy. Like, this is literally a dude that is, like, barely going to see anything. Like, sure, he's a switch hitter, but he can't hit from either side of the plate. So, like, what's the point? And now you have, um, yeah, Cronenworth, who can hit easily and play pretty much any position. Um, I'm forgetting his name, um, the guy that they signed from Japan. Oh, Kim, I think it is. Yeah, like, you got him now, who they're definitely not going to waste any time putting out in the field as their starting second baseman or something. You got Tatis. Why you, would you ever replace him? You got Tommy Pham, who, like we said, why would you want to replace him when he's on the up and up? Like, he, there's just no room for Jerks and Profar, and he hasn't shown any signs of being somebody that they need to keep. So, there, Profar, that's me. <laughs> but yeah, so that brings us to the end of our underrated, overrated uh, segment of Spring Training Edition, because we just wanted to make this all spring training themed for some reason. What do you mean we? This is that was your decision. <laughs> and we're <laughs> uh, last week. Eli talked about a pitcher that he kind of idolized and respected. So I want to talk about it was it was an it was Ichiro, not a pitcher. Oh, I for some reason thought you were talking about other. No, guy. don't I say yeah, don't say his name. That's next week. Next week, oh teasers. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about a pitcher that. I really respected um, – I met him actually once, and he was a super nice guy. And to me, like, he – you could just tell he's one of those, that one of those guys who played for the fans. Uh, his name was Jason Grilly. Some people might recognize him. He was a journeyman reliever. Some of his – he had some really great years with Pittsburgh, part of that Shark Tank. Um, the grilled cheese that he was known as. Um, I did not know he was known as that, and I'm a little upset that I didn't. That is a fantastic name. Yeah, his uh, Twitter account is Grilly Cheese. <laughs> Love it. 49. Um, but anyway, so like Jason Gurley, like he hasn't had the best career. Like he finished with 79 career saves, a 422 ERA. He played for many teams. He made one all-star appearance. Actually, I think it was with Pittsburgh, he made the all-star team. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was in 2013. He did like his best, he pitched like 50 innings and had many saves that year. I think it was like 33. Yeah, 33 saves that year. He made the all-star team. But, I mean, he played for Pittsburgh, Detroit, Colorado, Atlanta, Texas, Florida, Toronto, Los Angeles, Chicago, White Sox. Like, it kind of sounds a, like your like, typical pretty decent relief pitcher just kind of gets bounced around a lot. Yeah, I mean, like he was. Like he was, a, he was an okay closer. He had, I think, his best 
closer years was when he took over for Joel Hanrahan in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I mean, but like to me, like the reason why I always respected Jason Grilly, and if he ever hears this, it'd be amazing. There was one spring training game, and when he was a pirate, you know, everyone wanted his autograph. He stayed out etched till he had just pitched, so he was he was leaving. He stopped next to this fence where this all a fence where all these fans were lined up during the middle of the game, you know, out, out of the way, of course. And he signed every single thing that a person handed him. He waited, he made sure every single fan that was there had an autograph. He wasn't gonna leave. I mean, like to the point where like clubhouse people came and got him, were like, oh, you need to come in and eat. He would just be like, nah. I mean, like, he'd be like, he'd like I'll come in when I'm done. Like, you know, I'm, I'm meeting the fans. Like, he's like, I just need a grilled cheese, right, guys? And, like, I mean, like, he would make jokes. It was just so cool to be to see a guy that was, like, he cared about the fans. He loved the fans. Like, this was his, he's like, these people came to see me. These people want to meet me. Like, I want to meet them. I want to give them their autographs. Like, I, I don't care. Like, I, I pitched already. Like, they're not like I need to go get ready to pitch. Like, my day is spring training is done. All I got to do is go eat. Like, that can wait. You know, watch some film. I can do that later. Like, it was just yeah. so cool to see, like, a guy who spent an extra 30 minutes just signing for fans. And, like, I got an autograph on a ticket. It was just – it was so cool to meet him and just see someone who was, like, that that nice of guy to just be like, hey, like, I want to sign for everyone here. Yeah, and I appreciate that, too, because, like, I was one of – I'm one of those kids who I, I went to so many games in my past that I can't even keep track. And there were so many guys who I idolized, and I would love to try to go down by, like, the foul pole or whatever and, like, try to get some autographs. But, like – Guys, guys don't take their time. Don't take the time out of their day, really, to go do your autograph. So when you get somebody like that, like it's it's huge. It's a big thing because, like, like you said, Jason Kelly is kind of like middle of the road relief pitcher. He had a decent career, and like not many people would really remember him. But when you have somebody who like acts like that, like actually, like, he's a decent ball player, but he's like a even better human being. Like that's why that's why kids get into the game. Like that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean that made my day. Like I remember for like weeks, like meeting. Jason Grilly in like 2012, 2013, to me was like the highlight of my year. Mm-hmm. That whole year, I was just like, oh, I remember me, like Jason, I got an autograph from Jason Grilly. Like, I didn't care what his stats was. Like, to me, the, like the fact that he was willing to sign for me, that was everything. Like, I was so happy. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic feeling. So thank you, Jason Grilly, if you're listening. Yeah, it actually kind of fits in with our quote from the first week that we ever did this. Uh, Anyone who doesn't sign autographs for a kid is a communist. <laughs> Very true. Jason, Jason Grilly, you're you're clear. You're not a commie. <laughs> um, so our quote, I decided to make it about spring training because I really got into this spring training theme because I was like, why not really? <laughs> make it an episode of spring training stuff? Uh, <laughs> it says spring. Uh, sp- it's about spring training. It's the it's the fans that need spring training. You got to get them interested. Wake them up and let them know that the season is coming and good times are going to roll. And Harry Carey said that. That was probably one of the few moments where he was sober. Um, that's actually, I actually really enjoyed that one. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good thing. Like, it's it kind of true. Like the players, I guess I was, I was over this. There was a Koufax quote that I saw that was like, "Anyone who says spring training is useless has never thrown a baseball." And I was like, "Yep." Yeah. <laughs> but like the thing too is that that quote, especially now, especially this season, just makes it just makes all the difference because. We went an entire summer and without watching a game in person. We went an entire off season like with that 
like depravity of not being able to go out and see your favorite team, not being able to go road trip with your buddies to get hammered in the parking lot and then hammered for seven more innings until they cut you off. Like nobody, nobody got to experience like a game in person now. So just spring training, letting, even though it's a limited number of people, let's just letting them back in, letting them back into that atmosphere and just like letting them all relax, forget about shit for a while and just watch some baseball. It's just so relieving. And yeah. I want to experience it soon. So the regular season needs to come so I can actually go to a baseball game because I can't go to spring training. <laughs> oh, man. Opening day. I've seen some of the prices, though, for opening day tickets. And oh, they it's are bad. Bad. It's, oh, They're more expensive. Some of them are more expensive than football <laughs> tickets. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Are, are charging. Isn't it like 700 bucks or something like that? $922 for I a was ticket, wrong. starting <laughs> ticket for San Diego. And I was like, I get it. You guys just want to spend all this money, but like, yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. But I mean, they're definitely going to fill. Those stadiums are going to be well packed in the sense that they're going to hit their maximum capacity that COVID restrictions will allow. But actually, the good thing about none of the Pirates fans wanting to go see the games, I'll probably be able to see a game all, all out this summer. Yeah, yeah. yeah be... All these fake, all these fake fans be like, I don't want to spend money till the owner sells the team. I'll be like, cool tickets for me then. I don't know. It'll be. Yeah, it's this this summer is going to be like so important for fans like going back into the stadiums like especially it's like I know that football they had some they had like fans here and there depending on the state but like something about baseball it's just like football there's a, there's like a quote unquote nonstop action but like with baseball like because of how slow paced the game is compared to others like getting like getting in that atmosphere of like with just strangers and interacting it's just so much more fun to me the most the most like wonderful thing about baseball that ninth inning where your your team is winning the close is in the game everyone's on their feet everyone's chanting and cheering mm-hmm. and and excited and they're everyone's standing and watching and waiting for that pitch because they know that this is the biggest moment and everyone's excited and they can just feel electricity in the air to me like gives me chills when i think about it and like a whole year without that sucked yeah uh yeah i agree i mean even even like especially like with the two of us i know like like we've said if we're trying to relate to our playing experiences even though we didn't go past high school but like those moments when you get into them as a player when you get into those bigger moments where like you're throwing the last pitch of the game or you're the last batter, just like when that is ingrained in your body as a kid, as a player, and you grow up and make you're no longer playing, but the game is a part of you and you go to these games, that's a feeling that you just never want to lose. So going a year without it is difficult. Well, we thank you guys for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter at BL Bullpen. We might tweet at Jason Greeley to see if he'll we can get him to listen. It's oh, like we're a, definitely gonna tweet at Jason Greeley. Let's not sugarcoat it. Like, Jason Greeley, <laughs> we gave you a really nice shout out. Like, please listen and like release. Like, Fuck really it. I might even I might even go make a Greeley cheese after this one and just tweet it and just tweet it and just say just hashtag Jason Greeley cheese or some shit. <laughs> oh man, he was he was so cool. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, Thank you, guys, for listening. We will hopefully see you next week or whatever we upload next.